Welcome back to Composite Two-Star Recruits, a USC recruiting podcast where a couple of one-star hosts talk about five, four, and three-star prospects and everything in between. I am your one-star host, 10K Trevino, and as always, I'm joined by my podcasting partner in crime, Hurricane Martinez, except wait, no I'm not. I was earlier in studio with Gerard with the first ever live YouTube Composite Two-Star Recruits, but unfortunately... Chris Trevino dropped the ball. I forgot to hit record on Audacity to get the full scope of the show. I missed about the first 30 minutes of the podcast, which went over four hours, about four hours and 13 minutes. No, I'm not doing timestamps. I am sorry about that. But you can watch the live show on YouTube. And right now, I'm just doing this little intro to give a little context of why I'm just dropping you in the middle of a podcast of Gerard talking about the 2023 signing class was National Signing Day. That's where we started in the cold open. So I apologize for forgetting to hit record on the audacity. It's on me. Drop the ball will not happen next time. And if you listened to the live show full stream and you're listening to the podcast again, you're a certified insane person. You're a certified insane person. And if you're first time listening to the show, you didn't catch it live. It's a great show. It's a fun show. A lot of interaction with the live chat. A lot of donations, made over $700 in donations, and really, really appreciated that uh, to all those people that did no date, donate and stick around. Hashtag 4 crew. Shout out to them. You stuck around for the whole crew. Now, very quickly, I did want to give a shout out to the official sponsor, the Composite Two Star Recruits. You know who that is if you're a longtime listener. Meredith Schlosser, number one real estate agent in Los Angeles, over 200 200 five-star Zillow reviews, and over $600 million in sales. He was recently named one of the top 1.5% agents in the nation. Yes, that's not California. That's not Southern California. That is not Los Angeles County. That is the nation. She's literally the real estate agent for Lakers president Jeannie Buss and for me, 10K. She helped me find the house I'm living in now. Shout out to Jeremy Hensley, part of her crew. They helped me get into a house uh, over winter. So thank you so much to them. So that's the range of the spectrum. Genie Bus, 10K Trevino. I'll let you figure out which end I'm on of that. But seriously, if you're thinking about renting, buying, or selling a house in this area, you have to go with Meredith Schlosser and her team. It's the best decision you will ever make when it comes to real estate and this housing market. If you want to know more about Meredith and her team, which handles a wide range of clientele, she has extensive experience with first-time home buyers and sellers. You can check out her website at www.meredithschlosser.com, and that is S-C-H-L-O-S-S-E-R. You can check out her business Instagram at Meredith Real Estate. Trust me, you want to go with Meredith, Meredith, she is the best, and you will not regret the decision. And with that, I'm just going to drop you into the middle of the show. Again, I apologize for not getting the recording fully, but it's still close to four hours of content. So I hope you enjoy. And as always, thank you for being part of the Cilantro Boys family and Composite Two Star Recruits and uscfootball.com. And then the guys that don't look like they're going to take official visits. And a lot of times recruiting does lag a year behind production on the field. And we have a precedent for this. Going back to Lane Kiffin in 2011, when USC had that really great year, they had Matt Barkley, they had uh, Robert Woods, Marquise, Sim- uh, Marquise Lee, excuse me, was a true freshman. 
And they weren't able to go to a bowl game that year, but they they finished really well. They were like one of the best teams in the nation. A lot of people felt like, man, this is a team that could go to the Rose Bowl and probably win the Rose Bowl. And so everybody's hyped up on, on USC. That recruiting class was okay. It was going into the next cycle where you had 2012, where USC by September, I think they had 18 commits and they had the number one class in the nation. And they literally had the best class in the nation no matter what. Like there was no other school, no other team that could overcome them by September. They'd already locked it up at that point. Now, unfortunately, they shite down their leg and during that season ended up, you know, going, I think it was like seven and six or something like that and ended up in the Sun Bowl. They lose the Sun Bowl. A bunch of those guys decommit, but you still saw the impact the year after they had a good year. And the thing is, we all go back to Pete Carroll. And I say all, not all of us. I mean, some of us maybe didn't watch the Pete Carroll era. We weren't old enough, Chris Trevino. But <laughs> but some of us lived through it and followed recruiting closely and were used to sort of great year after great year after great year. And USC wins 11 games. They win 12 games. They win 11 games and so on and so forth. And you always see the production from that. But we have to remember, USC is coming from almost a decade of being mediocre and in some years being less than mediocre. I mean, you win four games in 2021. There's a year there where you only won five games. Like, they were not good a couple times, and you saw how that dropped the talent rate, and it was usually the class following that one. I mean, I think it was like the 2019-2020 cycle where USC, they dropped five games, and then they turn around, and that class wasn't so bad, but it was the next class is where they only signed like 17 guys or something. Or I think it ended up be 14. They wanted to uh, get 17, but that was the class where they missed on Justin Flo. They missed on Bryce Young. They missed on Mike uh, Drennan. They missed on all of their guys, like that last group of five or six guys that they were hoping to get on signing day. They lost all of them. And it wasn't because of that year, because that season they won eight games. So again, you do have to sort of look at things from a, a bigger perspective. And because USC has not been nationally prominent for the past few years, you know, yes, they played really well this year and they had a really great season this year. But I, I think perhaps it's the 2024 class is where this starts to kick in. And yeah, I mean, I think winning definitely had an impact on this season. I mean, you get some playmakers on offense, but I think what people want to see is where are the guys on defense? Because the defense needs it. Uh, we've said it all season. You know, we've we've critiqued the defense and, and tried to be fair about it. But at the end of the game, at the end of the season, we see how they play against Utah. And certainly there's a lot of deficiencies there. So that's where people are frustrated. They want to see, you know, more linemen and they want to see uh, certainly more linemen on defense and certainly more stud players in that front seven. Drew, we have two more donations. Manford gave another $10. Manford's I'm, going crazy. Yeah. Get this guy on the NIL uh, <laughs> yeah, really. uh, board for <laughs> USC. Someone call him up. Boulevard needs to PM him. <laughs> he's uh, he's dropping bags over here in the, in the chat. I'm donating again because Ryan said it will go to the Cilantro Boys. Fight on. Any chance Hurricane will be at the bowl game? He has Hurricane rolling into at Dallas. At the Cotton Bowl, no. I won't be at the Cotton Bowl, no. He will not be at the Cotton Bowl, unfortunately. So you cannot uh, corner him to uh, talk your ear off. Uh, we had another talk donation. Uh, another ten, uh, $10 from James. Character on the floor laughing really hard. Okay. Okay. So thank you to James and Manford. Hopefully that's not in regards to USC's 2023 recruiting class. Hopefully not. I'm going to refer to Manford as Moneybags Manford <laughs> from Manford. now on because he's, again, dropping bags in the chat. 
Gerard. Yes. Can you give me your favorite player in this class? I already uh, know who you're going to say. Everybody knows who I'm going to say. Let's see. Let's wait like five seconds and the chat will. Yeah, chat. If you know, if you know, you, sh- you should know who Gerard's favorite player in the class is. I'll, I'll give you a couple seconds to, to say if you know, and I'll throw up your answers if anyone gets it correctly. Everyone should know who my favorite player in the class is. I feel like it aligns with a lot of people's favorite player in the class. But I will say sneaky favorite player in the class is Quentin Joyner. And just okay. that running back class in general. I don't peop- I don't think we've been talking I don't think we've been hyping them up enough that that tandem that Kyle McDonald got really early that rised in the rankings. That's a good thing to yeah. see. He just shot up an All-American. I'm going to see him in San Antonio uh, out of Maynard High School and Marion Peterson, the enigma that he is, you know, <laughs> not literally he could not I mean, I had to go through so many people just to confirm that he was going to be a mid-year graduate. Holy cow. Never have talked to a Miriam Peterson. But listen, I'm not the only one. There were commitments that were there during the summer. They were there, No, they were there during the spring game, which is, I think, when a Miriam Peterson commit. And the guys from Texas that, unfortunately, are not committed to USC anymore, Braxton Myers is one of them. It's like, yeah, man, I, I, I saw that guy commit. I, I never met him. Like, I don't know who he is. I've never talked to him before. I'm like, wow, okay, well, I don't feel so bad anymore. Somebody, uh, somebody guessed Shelby and Branch. Shelby Curtis and Branch. Can't have two. You can only have one. Can have a lot of people are saying Christian Pierce. Maybe it's because you saw him oh, like nine, 90 times. I heart Christian Pierce. He's my guy, but yeah, Braylon Shelby. It's Braylon Shelby is, all the way. Is the guy for sure that I think is the outlier in the class in terms of being a guy that's he's he's highly rated. All right, he's a guy that you know we have shot up. What is he? Sixty six right now. Sixty one. Sixty one. Sixty one nationally, and I still think he's underrated. He's a little Drake London ish uh, in that respect for me. Now I have not been able to see him in person, so I would pound the table harder. But I haven't been able to see him move in person, and you just get some of that. You know, did that that vibe in terms of you know how quick is he really? But when I watch film of him. He is dynamic, and he gives you some of the things that Eric Gentry gives you, but in a 6'5", 240-pound frame. So he's a guy that plays on the edge, but he's agile enough and aware enough that he can play off the line of scrimmage, but more importantly, he can play that hash. And against a lot of RPOs, you find yourself as an edge player having to not only negotiate the run, but also... Uh, using that blocker that's that's coming out against you, that offensive tackle, or maybe you get a kick out from a halfback uh, or a tight end or what have you, and you've got to use that blocker either as a tool, as an obstacle to sort of block the run in, in terms of where the running back wants to go, kind of throw that guy into the lane and be able to move off of him, or you've got to negotiate around that block. He can do both, and the thing that makes him super, super unique is not only like the speed and the length, but it's the awareness and the ability in the RPO to play two players at a time. There's not many guys that have enough awareness and ability to get out on the edge and you watch him play in the option and the quarterback gets out there and he's playing the quarterback, but he's able to move in such a way that he can play that receiver or that running back out there or he'll make a play on the quarterback. He'll knock the ball down, pass deflections. I mean, he does it all. And it's like having those type of guys that have the instincts and the intelligence to play on the edge against these type of modern college football offenses is it's huge. I mean, and like I said, we've seen it a bit with Eric Gentry and everybody talks, well, it's because he's 6'6", right? He's, he's so tall and he's got such a wingspan. 
it's really because he has instincts and he's smart. I, I mean, you can be 6'6 and, and not in the right place at the right time. So it's a matter of having the athleticism, but then also having that head on your shoulders to be out there in no man's land at 6'5, 235, 240 pounds, and being able to just like play that position like a basketball player. Basically, you're playing two players at, at once, and that's just going to be huge to have. So, I mean, when I watch him on film, man, I'm like, dude, this guy, he's much better than I think he's even rated. And he's rated pretty high. Uh, Gerard, we just got a bunch more money. <laughs> okay. We're swimming in it. Thank so you, everybody. We're, we're, swi- we're swimming in it. I, I just have to put these up really quick because if you donate, I'm putting it up. Yeah, we got to uh, thank you. Man- thank Manford, another $10. All right, Manford's just, just because. Flexing. Manford, just because I like the nickname Moneybags Manford. Oh, Moneybags Manford that's, dropping bags. That's pretty nice bags. nickname. I think this is Phil Knight in here. So, uh, which, which, uh, John Ruiz. We have, uh, John Ruiz. Maybe, maybe John Ruiz. We have, uh, $20 from Giovanni. Uh, can we get a USC comp for each incoming signee? Also, the two star podcast is the main reason the pair style made my Spotify wrapped. There Spotify you go. wrapped. Nice. We we will break down some of these guys as we go through right now. But if, if we did a comp for every player for Gerard, he would talk about a player from 2004 that no one has ever heard of. Except it's for the, tough. The Sometimes thing. it doesn't exist. The, the thing is, I don't like to try to like wedge a comparison in there that doesn't really work because I know like the 24-7 analysts have to do comparisons for a lot of the top guys. And we're talking – and sometimes, like, and Greg's like, I don't know. you know, I don't know. Like, And Greg's been around longer than I have. And it's just sometimes it doesn't work. Sometimes a guy is unique. And you don't want to necessarily try to describe him as somebody else. And you know, it's like, this guy's kind of unique. So, you know, with Braylon Shelby, like, I kind of make a comparison there with Eric Gentry. But he's totally different athletically. I mean, he's 6'5", 240 pounds. And he's strong. And he's big. And he sets the edge a lot more. Eric Gentry is a guy that I was professing over and over again, you know, during the summer when he transferred into USC, don't just put him on the edge. You've got to take him off the line of scrimmage some because he's actually good enough to play as a as a standard linebacker in pass coverage. So, yeah, they're different players, certainly, but it's just some attributes overlap uh, to give you just a better illustration of, like, what to expect from a guy like uh, Braylon Shelby. And we also got 10 more dollars from James. James, thank uh, you very much Spending again. money like Uncle Phil buying Oregon players. <laughs> <laughs> if they were only $10 a pop. <laughs> if they were only $10 a pop. Uh, someone commented, I can't find it right now, but uh, Ryan discovering that he he can make more money on uh, donations than uh, <laughs> subscriptions, subscriptions. <laughs> uh, is a great one. I think we got another $10 from uh, Malcolm. Uh, without naming names, roughly how many recruits weren't, uh, weren't afforded the opportunity to properly recoup because of lack of upfront NIL players that we know of like Mateo or others we may not know. You know, I think with NIL and we will get to that, certainly talk about it more. It's an evolution, right? So all of these different schools are trying to figure out the best way to approach it. And you clearly have some schools that are much more aggressive than the others. We talk about in the podcast, the, uh, the, the five families of NIL, right? And you want to name them Louisville, I think Oregon's got to be in there yeah, after today. Absolutely. Right? So we're expanding it to five, just like the Gambinos and the Banos. <laughs> we got Louisville, we got Oregon, we've got Texas A&M, we've got Miami, and we got Tennessee. Tennessee. Yeah. The five families as we as we know them on the composite two star recruits. And 
So they've been very aggressive, and they've been very successful with it. You know, USC's been more conservative. And I, I see what USC is doing and why they went the way they went with Boulevard and, and having that proxy between the boosters and the university. I mean, it's, it's definitely playing it safe, and I think it was a good idea. Uh, honestly, I think it was well thought out. But the efficiency right now is maybe not there. And you're seeing the schools that have the boosters that are directly involved and being more aggressive, whether it's, you know, paying kids to come out and visit. Uh, and, and, you know, we're going to see what the fallout out. Is there any fallout? Because people always look at the difference between uh, the traditional, I guess we would call it traditional or classic collective, uh, as opposed to the collective that Boulevard is. And it, it's really about streamlining and what the NCAA does and what the differences are, you know, it doesn't matter at the end of the day if the NCAA is not going to enforce a difference, right? So, you know, I think there's a lot of schools that are kind of sitting back and saying, you know what, we don't want to get caught in the jackpot here. We don't want our boosters to get involved and then somebody gets somebody on tape or whatever. And, you know, there's all kinds of things that can go on. you got a lot of moving pieces. And certainly we talked about, you know, some of the schools that are, that are providing upfront money, um, you know, we've talked about the numbers that are out there are completely false and people are just pumping them up because they're thinking that if they can pump the numbers up more, somebody that doesn't know any better will end up, you know, throwing money out there and, and overpaying for somebody and that will continue to jack the market up. So it's crazy. It's, it's, um, it's a mess right now, certainly. And I think after today, there will be continued push for more regulation and, and, you know, more involvement, but you know, what is the NCAA going to be able to do? They don't have subpoena power. There's a, a lot of issues here when you're talking about private sector money and what you can actually audit and be involved with and what the universities are actually claiming. It, it's kind of a mess. It's kind of a mess. But, you know, we knew it was going to be a mess to some extent. And we might have years in front of us before we start to see some semblance of organization. And there's a body that comes into play that can govern this to some extent, that, that actually can get involved um, differently and, and whether you know that includes player unions becoming a thing because obviously that is going to start to rear its ugly head, I think. Um, there's a lot to, to tackle with that. And I, I mean, we, we've done a lot on NIL talking about it and there's still a lot to talk about because we're seeing the results of things and we're seeing how, like I said, certain schools are definitely being more aggressive and being a little more cavalier than others. Uh, USC's taking a step back from that and they haven't uh, had their boosters, you know, get directly involved with NIL. But again, I mean, if you're playing it safe, I totally understand the system and, and, and what they've done. And I, I think it's a good idea, but it's a good idea within the parameters of what the NCAA has said they're going to enforce. We just have to wait to see if they're actually going to do that and if they even have the capability of doing that. I keep wanting to look over at you because <laughs> I'm not I'm not used to that. But is there any others you want to talk about in terms of our impact players? And we got a little bit distracted before we talk about dun 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 biggest misses in this class so far. And then yes, Mateo Uyangalale, uh, and what went down today at his signing day. I don't know. Would it be a ceremony? Would it be what would you call today? A uh, a signing day um proxy? Proxy? Uh that was Sense of proxy. That was strange. That's a that's a new one. That's yeah, a and, new and one. If you don't know what I'm talking about, Mateo Uyangalale, you know, St. John Bosco, they held their uh their signing day ceremony. And I just want to say 
side story, ghost note, I actually showed up at St. John Bosco, but it wasn't at St. John Bosco today. The one time I've been going there for like every signing day for the last like nine years, and it wasn't at the high school. It was down the street at the main event center. That's what it's called, main, M-A-Y-N-E, uh, in downtown Bellflower, only five minutes up the road. But at like 830, I was like, no one is in the parking lot. Something is off, and they were playing basketball in the gym. I was like, I yeah. should uh, maybe check that email again. But yeah, so it was right up the street. Uh, Bosco national champions. Uh, they had about, oh, I don't know, like eight, nine, 10 kids. I believe it was actually, I think it was like 12, 13, whatever. But Mateo Uangalele, not there. Also, DeAndre Moore, not there. And, you know, it comes out that Mateo, there was a photo that uh, floated out the day before of him leaving the hospital. And apparently he's been sick. He had a blood transfusion and he wasn't able to make it to the ceremony, signing day ceremony. So head coach Jason Negro, he kicked things off by reading Mateo's statement for him and essentially committing on his behalf. Uh, uh, coach Negro joked that, you know, he never got to have a signing day, never got a scholarship. So he was he was milking in that moment. He also never got to have a steak with Chris Trevino. We talked about that. He's actually the head coach of the, uh, the West team for the All-American Bowl. So I will... I will go down there, and but we did talk about a do owe mistake. That's a, that's a story for another podcast. But he went ahead and committed on behalf of Mateo for the Oregon Ducks. And it was I the know, quickest, most. <laughs> it was just like that, and Boom. then it was just like after that, it was just like everyone else went. Uh, DeAndre Moore did not show up. He was choosing between Texas and Louisville, who he's still committed to. One of the five families, yeah. or as we mentioned, so. Interesting that the two biggest guys weren't actually at the table to make commitments, but Mateo chooses Oregon, and we know that the the pair style had a meltdown last night when some of the crystal balls started coming in for the Ducks, and Mateo goes down as one of the biggest misses for USC in this class, which isn't a super long list. But it's a very impactful list when you look at it because we were we were figuring out who were the biggest misses before we went on this podcast, and it's only really three. Yeah, only really three. If you want to go through those, you real could quick. really say maybe only two. And Matteo Ungolale certainly a miss, and to some extent, I feel like it's more of a miss from a statement standpoint than maybe from a player standpoint. I think there's still. Quite a bit of questions in terms of potential versus production. Didn't have a lot of production at St. John Bosco, but you got a guy who's 6'5, 270, and he can move, and he's got, you know, basketball player feet, play both ways for St. John Bosco. There's a lot of people that have watched him his senior year and feel like, you know, he actually makes more of an impact on the field as a tight end. And I think originally at one point he wanted to play offense, but I think now, you know, he's sort of been told enough that, hey, you know, you're. Your ceiling is better as a defensive player. But there are definitely questions that come from people at St. John Bosco even that wonder, you know, how much does he really love football? We know he loves music, and that's why you thought USC had an advantage and a unique opportunity for him off the field that was different than maybe his older brother DJ. DJ seemed like it was all about football, but with Mateo, it seemed like, you know, there was a balance there off the field, on the field. And USC checked a lot of boxes for Mateo Ungale. But we had talked to him countless times throughout the past two years, really. And I could say one thing for sure. USC was not in it at all last year. 
Okay, they were they were just not in the picture for him at all. So there was a lot of ground to make up, and Sean Nua made it up in a hurry. But it seemed like every time we spoke to him, he was a tad aloof about USC, and especially towards the end of the year. And JP, five star JP, five stars only. Shout out! I know he's listening. He spoke to him after one of the playoff games, and the Notre Dame was com- the Notre Dame game was coming up for USC. And we wanted to know, hey, you're going to be down there for the Notre Dame game. And he was really sort of uncommittal. I'm not really even sure what week it is. Uh, is that this week? <laughs> is that next week? And he was Aloof. Kind of, and he kind of was like that with the UCLA game as well. And starts, you know, to talk about, well, I'm going to go to Georgia here and that. And it's like, Georgia, you know. And that was always sort of the feeling that we got. It was always like, yeah, USC's are there, cool and everything. But I'm going to this other school. I'm going to go visit this other school. So... It always felt like USC was battling with some other school. It was really Ohio State for the longest time. And there's a lot of people that, oh, he was always going to Oregon. He was always going to Oregon. I don't believe that for a second. I I know that Ohio State was a big factor for him for a long time. Um, It just came at the end of the day that, you know, he felt like Oregon was a school for him for whatever reasons. We didn't get to hear why Oregon was a school for him because he wasn't there today at his uh, signing day. So, um, you know, I think – Again, it's more of a statement. USC loses one of the best defensive front seven players in California, and that's not supposed to happen when you win 11 games at USC. And that's not supposed to happen when you have need positions that need to be filled. And we've talked about this on the last podcast. USC's got to upgrade the defense. They got to get better. They can't just replace players. They got to get better. And so it's tough when you don't get five-star guys locally to get better. And we're going to see what happens with Thule, Tui Pelotu. There's some kind of weird sort of innuendo stuff that maybe he comes back next year. I would be absolutely shocked. Let me tell you, I would be a hundred times more shocked <laughs> at Tuli Tui Pelotu coming back next season than I was with Mateo Ngulele going to Oregon. Like a hundred times more shocked. So we'll see. But that's the guy that on paper you have to replace. So he becomes the biggest miss. The next biggest miss would have to be Francis uh, Maragoa. Yeah, I, I think just because they need that franchise left tackle. They have not been able to land that guy. They get Elijah Page, who I think is a very good player. It's going to help. But they didn't get that guy. They didn't get Caleb Lamu, who was a bit of a miss in this class as well, Uh, the four-star offensive tackle out of Gilbert, Arizona. Um, uh, You know, with Francis, you know, it's tough. You're going across the country. You're going to IMG to try to recruit him. He did spend the year out here. Uh, when he was uh, at uh, at St. Aquinas in San Bernardino, so people kind of feel like, oh, and he's kind of a left, you know, a left coast kid. He's originally from Samoa, so he had a, a really good relationship with with Sean Nua, uh, but it just didn't really happen for USC, and that's where we start to talk about the five families of NIL and what schools are paying guys up front because with that recruitment, we heard from really good sources. He basically was splitting his schools into two categories. So schools that were looking to pay him something up front uh, for the actual commitment, and then there are schools that had the NIL deals that were all about, if you sign here, this is what can happen. This is the opportunities you will have. And Alabama, by the way, was included in the latter. So it was USC, Alabama, and some of those other schools. And a lot of people thought if Alabama was going to push and be more aggressive, they would have got him. So... Uh, very interesting how all of this has sort of played out. But I think in terms of need positions, you know, it's the big fellas. That's where everybody wants to see USC get better, not just because they've missed on those players in previous cycles under Clay Helton, but there's also this feeling sort of, you know, talking about the tropes of 
Lincoln Riley coming away from Oklahoma, you know, some of the things those Oklahoma teams didn't do when they got to those big games, when they got to the college football playoffs, people saw those Oklahoma teams and go, okay, in order to win those games, USC's got to get those players. They got on the off on the, on the defensive side of the ball. They've got to get defensive linemen. They've got to get playmakers. They've got to be better defensively. They can't just try to outscore teams. So that's where some of that comes in when you start talking about uh, big misses. And I guess Chris, you could kind of throw another guy in there that you were you were pretty high on that also comes in with knee position and that's off to tackle position. Yeah, I made the case for Lucas Simmons, the big six foot seven. Uh, Swede, he's from Sweden. Yep, yep. yep. out of uh, Florida. Uh, dad played at Oklahoma, I believe, and he was a major priority for this offensive line recruiting cycle. And Josh Henson, uh, him and Francis Maigoa were considered, you know, the top two options there for them. Got him on campus for a visit. Took a really big unofficial visit, and they really made their move uh, in getting to the forefront of his mind. There were a couple crystal balls in for him at one point, and you know the momentum was with the Trojans. Uh, took that official visit for the Golden Hour, I believe. He yeah. was a Golden Hour guy. Yeah, Luau guy. We still have to do our uh, Golden Hour breakdown. Was it really worth it? Did it really pay off? And he was on campus for that. You know, good vibes all around. Then, you know, Florida State really made a push. You know, obviously, they're the local school. Able to get his commitment, pull it out in the end. That was a big one where, well, if uh, Norvell and Florida State have another crappy season, could we see you know them play for a potential flip? Florida State did not end up having a crappy season. They yeah, were... but Miami did, and that didn't budge. <laughs> That's <laughs> true. Miami lost to everyone, and they <laughs> still were picking up five stars left and right. But people were thinking, you know, if they could have another bad season, maybe USC could wedge themselves back in there because they were. You know, a finalist runner-up for Lucas Simmons, and I made the argument that you know, if Lucas Simmons is in this class, he's your number one uh, tackle in this class over yeah. Elijah Page. He's he's your he's your war daddy for. He's that. another so, guy that rose through the rankings, uh, you know, kind of late in the offseason into his senior year, mainly because he put on weight and he put on good weight, and I think people felt like he could make more of an impact early. I mean, he's from Clearwater Academy International School. So not necessarily like he's going to hit the ground running uh, in terms of the speed of the game and everything. Really small school in Florida. Uh, so that's going to hold him back a little bit. Not IMG, certainly. But nevertheless, I think there's people that feel like he has a ton of upside and, and just a really, really good body. You know, long type of guy that looks like a first round pick. Uh, Ryan's going in on the chat. Please watch your language or I will mute you. It's uh, We're not even in. We're almost at an hour, and it's already getting uh, a little crazy in there. But people, I just wanted to say, you couldn't see the comments, but a lot of people were in agreement that with you that Thule is should be going to the NFL. He should not come back for another season. He's proven all that he needs to, and we've seen him many times. You have a really good season, and then maybe you're on the brink of maybe coming back, but you come back, have an injury, you don't do as well, your stock falls. you got to go with irons hot. So a lot of people in the chat were in agreement with you about Thule Tui Pelotu, Gerard, do we need to talk any more about Mateo? <laughs> no, we don't. <laughs> we really don't. I mean, you know, again, it's about replacement and, you know, truly, I think the blueprint was there for Mateo and Galilei. You know, I again, USC did everything they could. I, I mean, to use Tuli the way they did and, and put him at linebacker, and I think sometimes they did him a disservice sort of lining up at linebacker and, and running towards the line of scrimmage. Um, doing some of those things, 
but you see the creativity and, and that sells to recruits a lot. You know, they want to be viewed as athletes first and foremost. And so you play to that a little bit and you say, listen, man, you could do these things too. You have that athleticism. You're going to see that uh, we're going to show your, your athleticism off and you're, you're looking for NFL scouts to be able to see how athletic you are and you don't want to get kind of pigeonholed into one position. And they did that. Thule had a tremendous year. I think he played himself in the first round of the NFL draft personally. Now, if he slipped into the early second round, I wouldn't be shocked either because I don't necessarily know need and you know what the picks line up as. But I think he's good enough to be that guy uh, as, a, as an interior guy. I, I think that's you know really where his best position is. He could play five technique, but I think speed-wise, you probably want to put him as a three technique, and I think he'll be uh, a very good player in the NFL. But that's, again that's a guy you want to replace, which is hard because he's a really good football player, right? And then there's other guys where you need to get upgrades. So we'll talk a little bit about that because it's going to have to come through the transfer portal. Is it transfer portal time or should we talk about what's left for this class? Because there's still there's still some things left on the, on the table. I think we should talk about transfer portal because that's newsworthy. USC just got some commitments and it's going to overlap with this 2023 class because now, I mean, we have the overall class ratings, which cycle wise is what your team's going to look like next year. You know, it didn't look like that before because guys would have to set out or whatever, but all these players are immediately available. So, I mean, you're going to be going after guys on the recruiting trail that are transfers and looking at them to fill positions, uh, you know, maybe even more so than a guy that's a high school player. Uh, you know, Mateo Galate, can he replace Tuli, Tuli Pelotu next year? Like, is he going to come in and be that guy next year? No, he's not. He's just not. You're hoping like two years down the line, he kind of becomes that guy maybe. Um, but through the portal, you could potentially find Tuli Maybe. They're hard to find. Defensive linemen that are impact players at other Power 5 schools are, uh, I mean, they're unicorns in the transfer portal. Before we jump into the portal officially, not as transfers, but oh. just to talk about it. Just, uh, to, we were just to talk about side. it. No, no, no. <laughs> uh, we had another $20 donation from Mitchell. What are these kids told at the 11th hour that gets them to change their mind? If you have to wait until then to tell them, it seems like a red flag. Also, I called it two weeks ago, and Jack called me Michelle. Come on, man, all love. I don't. I don't. <laughs> Michelle. I, oh, he called him Michelle. I I see what happened. Dang, he, he Jack. Call, he called in. This the guy's show. throwing money our way, and you're you disrespecting him, calling Michelle. That's. I would never call you Michelle Mitchell. But but thank you for the twenty dollar. He also don't doesn't know. Have, I mean, $20, I don't know, that money bag uh, nickname, is anybody fighting for that? Money bag Mitchell kind of goes, too? No, money bag man for, okay, right, right. you know, security. Secured it, locked it down. All right. Yeah, if, if Mitchell drops another 20 maybe we'll, we'll get That's not me. Begging. That's not me begging. <laughs> that's I'm not just me saying, e-begging. I'm just saying, if if he drops another one, may, I have to give him a nickname, but money bags man for What is said in the 11th hour? Nobody really knows what's said. In the 11th hour, you know, everybody wants to believe it's, okay, $2.5 million. <laughs> I thought we, I thought your internet <laughs> dropped. It was like, yeah, I know. I was like, what, what's going on? Everybody wants to say that it's, uh, you know, that extra little something to grease the wheels, right? It's a, it's a little, little extra taste of, uh, you know, the, 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 the Nike uh, special shoe deal. Or whatever, you know, I, I don't know what's said in the 11th hour. You know, there's uh, going back to when USC was recruiting Leonard Williams out of high school. 
And I think he was from Mainland High School in Florida. And, you know, people don't realize that Leonard Williams was actually originally from Carson, California. So he wasn't a true Florida native. But USG was recruiting him. He was really underrated. Um, but he was a solid four-star. But they were battling head-to-head with Florida for him. And he was going back and forth, back and forth. And he'd silently committed to USC. But then I think he took an unofficial visit to Florida late in the year. And Florida really got in his ear. I mean, they obviously they're they're more local and they've got, you know, assistant coaches and people that are sort of lurking around. And um, evidently, I mean, this, as the story goes, Ed Erdron got on the phone and it was literal 11th hour because he was going to go and do his announcement. And it it actually delayed the announcement by, I don't know, like a half an hour, 45 minutes. And he just worked him and worked him. And everybody's, you know, got all these ideas like, what did you say to Leonard Williams? What did you say to Leonard Williams? And Ed Orgeron has been asked that. And of course, Ed's like, oh, you know, we just told him he's going to be a Trojan. He's going to be a five-star. We're going to get him in the NFL. We're going to get him right. You know, and that, and that was that. But, you know, what was really said, we'll never know. We will never know. And Mitchell, not Michelle, dropped another 20. Uh-oh. <laughs> <laughs> he said, you asked and I will deliver. Love the show. Oh, we appreciate it. We we. <laughs> I can't talk anymore. I just he went into Ed Orgeron mode. He, he gave it throat. all for Ed Orgeron. <laughs> Thank you, Mitchell, for the for the. I can usually do Ed pretty good, but I he guess does that not, one. That one snuck up on you. Not enough sleep. Not enough sleep. We are just over an hour, and we're jumping into the portal, guys. So we're <laughs> probably going to take up another hour here. If you've been here for the first hour, can I get a hashtag? Hour crew. We'll see who's going to make it here. If you've been here the whole first hour, let's see who's going to stick around for the for the. For the full show. Uh, and let's See, go. most people are, they get to listen to this as they want to, and they're driving to work, they're yeah. on a treadmill, they're doing something. So it's just kind of going on in the background and they can watch it. Here you have to actually sit here and like watch it live. So that takes more commitment. We could be on someone's like TV right now. We could be in their family <laughs> yes, room right, right now. We that's literally right. could. If that's happening, please let me know. But let's jump into the transfer portal. The first bit of news is just that USC had another player leave. That is USC defensive lineman Colin Mobley. He has entered oh. the portal. When did little... that happen? I, did, I missed that. You missed that. That was uh, yesterday? yesterday, Monday. You, it, it was a small thing, a blip on the radar. I think it was Tuesday. DMV guy, DMV, High School. DeMatha Catholic High School from where, from where I'm from. My alma mater. Ask him to see if he can find your backpack. Maybe he'll end up at California with Vic Soto, his original recruiter recruitment. Maybe he'll go back to Maryland. Maybe he'll be a Terp. I don't know, but I wish Colin Mobley the best. But, you know, didn't only played 15 snaps as a true freshman and did not play at all this season. Had some injuries in the spring with a scout team player. So six foot four, 290 pounds. He was a guy people wanted to see get on the field, but just never happened. But that is the first bit of little portal news there. But the big one. Oklahoma State linebacker Mason Cobb, three pickups in the portal, but Mason Cobb, Gerard, might be the biggest pick. I think it is the biggest pickup for USC so far. Yeah, certainly. Um, very productive. And we talked about this in the podcast prior. Production begets production. If you look at the players that have been productive for USC, they're mostly guys that were productive at other schools. The guys that you're getting that are like a former four star. But then, you know, had a knee surgery and in three years, he's only had 14 tackles. Those guys, they don't end up usually being very good for USC. And so you want to evaluate what they do in college more so than going back to their high school film and having nostalgia over them being some All-American in high school. So I think with, you know, Cobb was a guy that was a three-star in high school coming out of Provo. So he's definitely, you know, his 
stock has improved playing at Oklahoma State. Six foot, 230 pounds, short, uh, quick. He's a guy that um, you know plays really well in space, a good tackler in space, very good in coverage. I think he does get beat a bit because he takes chances. He does get out of position a little bit. Again, watching some of the sort of game film of him and just seeing him against TCU. Um, I can't even remember some of the games that I watched. I think I watched him against Baylor. And he is smallish, so he does get eaten up at the line sometimes. And certainly he can jump into a gap and he can sell himself out. And sometimes he will miss on that gap. So he's a guy that I think from a replacement standpoint – that's Randall Goforth, you know, who who started some games with USC last year. I think you're upgrading over Goforth with him. But going back to what we said at the top of the podcast, is this a guy that's going to put Tackett Curtis on the bench? I, I don't know. I don't think so. I mean, normally you would say – I also don't think so. You're bringing a junior in that had 96 tackles. He's a guy that's played Power 5 football. You know, he's going to go in there. He's going to play Mike. I actually was able to talk to Mason Cobb. Uh, a few hours after. You did. You got him on the phone. Shockingly. Yeah, we've been trying to talk to him. Everybody's been trying to talk to him, and I just held Mary call, and uh, he picked up, and he was pumped. He was excited, and he wants to be a leader on the team. He wants to, to be the guy that's, you know, uh, vocal in the linebacker room. He says he's going to play both Will and Mike. He wants to learn both because potentially at the next level, they may ask him to play either or, and he can. I mean, he's, you know, 5'11", 6'2", 230 pounds, so he's not necessarily a natural Mike for some for some systems and some schemes, I could see him playing well. And that goes back to what I said about maybe if you can, and it's really an if, it's it's if Tackett Curtis can can absorb enough of the defense, he can make the calls, um, he's comfortable enough. You know, you don't want to just throw him in there and say, well, you know, he's our guy. Because if you have somebody in the middle of the field that just doesn't know the defense, at that Mike linebacker position, there's other positions that are also going to suffer because of that. So it's it's one of those things that you know you you giving up touchdowns if you're not playing well at Mike linebacker and you don't know how to get guys lined up and with USC when they do all these different shifts and things like that there's a lot of different things to know so I could see though where if they feel like confident that Tackett Curtis can take on that position I think it makes it very interesting as to who you put at will who's the odd man out it's going to be Shane Lee but I think Mason Cobb. He's a guy that can play well. He's a great cleanup guy. Again, I think in coverage, he's quick, he's fast, he does really good. He gets running backs out of the backfield. I mean, he's a guy that has a lot of potential to be able to play the will position as much as playing the Mike position. And then you go, well, dude, you got to have Eric Gentry on the field, right? You've yeah. got to have Eric Gentry on the field. But USC plays that safety nickel position. That's part of their personnel, right? That's not a, a – It's you know, in the olden days, we talk about the nickel, and that was always sort of a sub package for like third downs. Nowadays, everybody's playing three safeties on the field. But, uh, again, I don't know that you can't put uh, Eric Gentry out there for most downs as that guy. Now, maybe if it's third and 19, you, you go ahead and you go put one of your safeties out there. But uh, against a lot of these teams that run RPOs, I, I mean, I would love – to see Eric Gentry be able to freelance a lot more. And by the way, if you haven't met that position against Utah, guess who's playing against Kincaid? Everybody wanted to know, why isn't Eric Gentry playing against Kincaid in that Utah game where he has 16 receptions or something for almost 200 yards? Because he's Mike Linebacker. You can't yeah. bring your Mike Linebacker out of the formation and throw him over there at the slot. You, the whole middle of the field is wide open, man. And so you, you can do a lot more with that position out there at the slot, that sort of safety position where you've got Jay Jalen Smith, you've got Max Williams, you've got those guys. 
you put Eric Gentry out there, I mean, that would be an interesting wrinkle, and you could play that against a lot of teams. There are going to be teams that are going to stretch you in the pass game where you don't want to have him against a slot receiver, um, you know, a Washington State type of situation. But, man, against Kyle, against uh, UCLA, against Oregon, all those teams, I think you could put Eric Gentry out there. The Gamers Guru asked, can you put Tackett at nickel? Uh, and before you jump in, I just want to say they are specifically bringing him in to play Mike. Yeah, that was the right. pitch. That was the thing that sold them on coming to USC. One of the big reasons was he was going to be the Mike of the future. So that's where you want him. But could you? I mean, because I think nobody really saw Eric Gentry coming in and playing Mike linebacker. I think everybody thought, okay, Shane Lee is going to be your Mike linebacker. Eric Gentry would be your would be your will. I don't know. I, I don't know about redirection and, and agility at that position for Tackett Curtis. Tackett Curtis is a little more of a north and south guy. He's very fast. He's yeah. very fast. And he closes really quickly. Cobb is a guy that's quick, but he's quick in a phone booth. Whereas, you know, you see Tackett Curtis be able to play the basically a single high safety, and he runs all the way up and has to shoot an angle to be able to play at the line of scrimmage. So I mean, he's a good athlete. I just don't know if he'd be a little stiff to throw out there on a slot where you might have a tight end or you might have a big receiver. Whereas Eric Gentry, shockingly enough, with that frame that he has, it seems impossible. It almost seems physically impossible to do the things that he does. I mean, he's so tough. He tackles guys the way you go. How's that guy's 200 pounds, 210 soaking wet, able to take that tackle? I think he would be a little better. He's he's certainly a harder guy to scheme against, I think, for an offense. Whereas having Tackett out there in no man's land, I don't know. I think I, I I think I would keep him at Mike Linebacker. I think I would move Cobb out there before I would actually put a Tackett Curtis out there. There you go. Uh draw we did get another don't know. Another Can you dono. guess who? Can I guess who? Uh, Gaucho. Who's been, who's been dropping bags all? Oh, it's 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 <laughs> money bags. Manford. Manford. Is... He dropped another. He dropped twenty. Yeah, he's, he's, he he saw the, he's locked in on that name. You that, he... you baited him. He 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 was like, could could Mitchell be money bags? And he's like, money bag Manford is still here. <laughs> no. Fight on. He's like, hold my drink. I'm gonna drop <laughs> some more money. Manford, uh, you're you're the goat right now. I don't I don't know what to tell you. He's uh he's out here like Phil Knight. Uh, okay. Well, Mason Cobb, as we, as we mentioned, amazing pickup, huge pickup, a much needed pickup to upgrade that linebacker position. Shane Lee might be the man out, as you say, cause you have now another huge chess piece to play around with the other incoming chess piece with Tack Curtis. And then Eric Gentry, as we know, is super talented, but USC also got another big defensive back in Arizona cornerback Christian Roland Wallace. Now, Gerard, I don't know if you remember. I do. But I actually went to see Christian Roland Wallace play in a playoff game. I do. I think they were, I think, uh, yeah, a William Knight High School. I think they played against some team in Buena Park, maybe. It it was, I don't remember remember where, where, where it was, but it was one of the most incredible playoff performances I've ever seen. You know, kind of a small public school. And when you have one guy that's just the guy. He does everything. He did he, everything. he did everything. He was playing running back, wide receiver, linebacker, safety. He was doing everything. He had like 300 yards and like every touchdown in the game. And they lost on the last second. It was brutal. It was brutal. And, you know, I remember trying to go up to talk to him after the game. And, you know, 
This is why I hate covering a playoff game because there's a guy you need to talk to, you know, distraught. His high school career yeah. is over. And, you know, he's very, you know, very respectful. You know, he's like, I, I don't really want to talk, but you can call me the next day. And I was able to get him on the line. And we talked about because he was going on a USC visit, USC visit that weekend. So, yeah, I remember that very clearly. Uh, super nice kid was committed to Arizona at that time. And USC offered him super late in the process. I believe that was Ronnie Bradford. Yes. Ronnie Bradford. Offered. That was not Dante. He was, I think that was like 2018 class, correct? 2018 yeah. and the 2019. So, um, committed to Coach Meat. No, well, it might have been Greg Burns, though. I remember writing in the thing, was it Ronnie Bradford? Bradford, but okay. it might have been in a situation where there was overlap yeah, there. There was a little bit of overlap. Don't really remember. You know, those guys kind of blend together for me a little bit. But USC offered him, he was committed to Arizona, Coach Meat over there. And, you know, he dream school for him for USC, but I think he just, his relationship was just too tight. Yeah, there, Coach Arizona. Mead is a good recruiter. Yeah. He was at USC as a grad assistant for a while, and he's been around. He was at UCLA. He's the guy, to my knowledge, he's the guy that started up the fours, up, fours, down, whatever thing. Like they needed, you know, USC had the fight on, and, and, and Oregon is that had true? the O. Is that a true Oregon? I believe that was when Carl Durrell was there, and you had E. Scott there as a receivers coach, and Meat was there as a defensive backs coach. And they're like, we need some kind of gimmick. We need like some kind of hand signal thing for the class. And that's when they started fours up, fours down. I don't remember UCLA doing that before the Carl Durrell era. So I, I, I distinctly remember that becoming more of a thing with recruits than the actual team. And then the team, you know, the recruits that became uh, part of that team then took it on. But I, I, I might be wrong on that because, you know, I don't cover UCLA recruiting. Blair Angulo, you were probably a student at that time. Let us know. Let him know. We also have another donation from. Oh no, I lost it. Uh, Mitchell dropped another Uh-oh. twenty. We have a dueling. We have a donation. We have a pissing contest <laughs> with the wallets going on. I'm well. I think I'm Mitchell, too competitive. Mitchell, Fight on. Mitchell needs Mitchell. a nickname now. Yeah, I got. I got to think of it. I got to think of it. I, I, off the top of my head, I don't. What What are we thinking of? I mean, what are your money bags, Madford? What about Moneyball money Mitchell? Moneyball. I don't know. Hmm. I like that movie. Moneyball? I don't like baseball. Shout out to Shotgun. But I like that movie, Moneyball. I thought that was a very interesting movie. MasterCard? Hmm. MasterCard Cause, Mitchell? You no, know, because, I mean, Moneyball sounds a little bit uh, <laughs> too similar to Moneybags. I got to think of it. Uh, Mitchell, I'm going to give you a nickname by the end of the show. Uh, again, that's not, that's not telling you to donate anymore. Thank you so much for all the donations that come in uh, with Moneybags, Manfred, and Mitchell kind of just throwing money at us. Thank you, guys. Uh, I'm overwhelmed by that. But back to Christian Roland Wallace. I remember seeing him when he was there, and he immediately became an impact player for Wildcats. Started eight games for them as a true freshman. Started all five games in the COVID year, and then proceeded to start the next 24 games over his last two seasons at Arizona. So a very experienced defensive back that USC is picking up. They are graduating. uh, Makai Blackman who, you know, turned into their best cornerback by far, uh, played himself into the draft, as uh, Gerard has said multiple times on this podcast, done a really good job developing him. And Christian Roland Wallace comes right in, very experienced, and can instantly maybe start for this start for this defense and compete uh, for a role on this team. Different player mm-hmm. than Makai Blackman. And, you know, he played safety a lot in high school as well. 
And the one thing that stood out was even though he didn't have a, a big safety frame in USC, ten certainly in the past recruited you know bigger safeties. Guys are like six two. Uh, he's like six foot, 190, 195 pounds. Plays very physical near the line of scrimmage. And when I started watching his film, it wasn't Makai Blackman that came to mind or or, or that position. And, and certainly that's the position he's going to want to play, and that's the position he's going. Uh, to to compete for, but I started thinking about USC looking for that quasi-safety corner that they have been looking for this whole cycle at the high school level, all right? It started with Braxton Myers. He plays cornerback in high school, but is a guy that everybody thought he's going to play safety in college. Then we go to Warren Roberson out of Red Oak, Texas. He's a guy that you know plays cornerback in high school, but has more of the body of a safety, six foot, 200 pounds. Uh, another guy that, I mean, I think like you watch his film in high school, kind of similar to Christian Roland Wallace in terms of just doing everything. And then USC just, you know, more recently started going after Tyler Scott. Tyler Scott's another guy, six, 275 pounds, plays a lot of cornerback in high school, but looked at by most people rated by 24 seven as a safety. And Christian Roland Wallace is kind of similar to those guys. So, while we look at Makai Blackman as the obvious choice to come in and play, um, he does have some of the earmarks of a guy that's a little more physical that you can actually slide over to that nickel and play that position. We forget, USC's pretty young at the secondary position, and corner specifically. I mean, you've got guys like Prophet Brown sitting there, Damani Jackson sitting there, Damani Jackson got some run during the season, uh, and you still got Sierra Wright. And Sierra Wright is a guy that uh, you know started for USC most of the season last season. You're bringing back Jacoby Covington. So they've got some guys at that position. They've got some talent at that position. So it's going to be interesting to see, does Roland Wallace just slide in there and it's like, okay, he's the guy that's going to compete for that Makai Blackman position, or does he actually move around a little bit more and is he playing a little more of a kind of a nickel corner position, which kind of does a little bit of both over the slot? Uh, we have some more big money coming in, Gerard. <laughs> you guys, being here is enough of appreciation. Like, we really appreciate you guys just watching and being interested in the podcast. We got $50 from Roland L. Oh, my gosh. Great to watch the composite two-star crew. Chrissy T fully awake and the kingpin in cardinal and gold. Fight on. Thank you so much, wow. Roland the Rolling. highest donation Rolling of the and Doe. Rolling, rolling, rolling and Doe. <laughs> Any relation to Christian Roland Wallace, who we are talking about right now. That's a great segue. We also got another 20 from Moneybags Manford. Moneybags Manford still here. And people have thrown out some good nickname suggestions for Mitchell. Okay. We have LeBanc, because his last name is Le- <laughs> Le- LeBlanc. Yeah, that's uh, but I think the simple one is Money Mitchell. Money Mitchell. Well, money Mitchell. Yeah, I mean Money Ball Mitchell. Money Mitchell. I, I like I like Money, money Mitchell. Mitchell. If if uh, Money Mitchell himself agrees with Money Mitchell, we'll go with Money Mitchell. But so again, but Manfred though, Manfred's st- just in the chat. Like uh, like uh, uh, what's the um, why am I blanking on his name? Oh my gosh, the MMA fighter Irish. Uh, oh, uh, the guy who walks like this. Yeah, that's what that's what he's that's he's in the chat. Why What's am I name? blanking in his name? Someone help us. Oh my gosh. What is it? Someone help us. I know it's in here. I, I watch him all the time. Um he, he doesn't fight anymore. <laughs> Someone help us. Nate he had those epic fights against Nate Diaz. He turned around and went into uh with Mayweather. It's Gregory. Why am I saying well, I want to say Gregory, but it's um 
Why am I blanking on his on his name? The Irish guy. Yeah. <laughs> Somebody please. We're gonna have to Google we're, it. We're 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 drowning. Oh my goodness, Gerard. Breaking news. Uh oh. We just had a hold on, I have to find it. Uh no, where to go? Hold on. Hold on. Uh <laughs> no, where to go? Hold on. We have a hundred dollar. <laughs> Jeez. <laughs> this is getting Awkward now. Like, From Brad. Guys, Menudo Boys. Menudo. Let's go. You didn't like that nickname. Menudo now Boys. Well, drop. no, because it harkened Menudo, that old, like, before there was New Kids on the Block and and uh, uh, Backstreet Boys, there was Menudo, the the, the, the boy group. And it was just kind of, I don't know, Menudo A hundred dollars. You guys are insane. Brad, thank you so much. That was uh, uncalled for, but greatly appreciate it greatly appreciate it uh not to forget this one we have a well i, I probably should have done this one before i did the oh my dollar one conor mcgregor god <laughs> there it is I had to you had it you had it you had it close <laughs> i know uh, i got gregory in my mind for some reason thank you for the five dollars from Corey best madford mcgregor what have you guys heard about peyton woodyard out of bosco oh, Think well. he would be a great fit uh chris what are you here yeah, we, we were going to talk about him later in the show for 2024. Just a sidetrack off uh, Transfer Portal real quick because thank you for the $5 do- donation, Corey. Thank you very much. But I talked to Peyton today. You know, he took an unofficial visit an unofficial visit visit to USC about four days ago. He's making a bunch of different trips because he's going to be committing on January 7th, 7th at the All-American Bowl. He's going to get the process done. He said it was a really great visit. It was kind of the last kind of pitch for them. Uh, sat down with Lincoln Riley, Alex Grinch, you know, what opportunities are at USC, you know, where they where they could see him playing, free safety, strong safety, kind of a mix of both. And, you know, we also went down to Florida, but I feel like Georgia is still kind of the one that has the momentum right now. But USC still right in there. I know it's a top seven, but I think USC is definitely in the top half of that. I'll throw this at you. How much does it matter committing this early in the process? Not much. Not much. For that kid who very gregarious, very articulate, great family, you know, USC is going to continue to work them, continue to yeah. work them. I think that that's going to be a tough one for Georgia to hold on to if USC continues their trajectory. Uh, Money Mitchell dropped another 20. He says, I accept. Ha, ha, ha. So that's just <laughs> I'm making more money on this stream than I make in McGregor uh, <laughs> Manford. I'm sorry. Look at those, all these people. Conor McGregor. Conor McGregor. Conor McGregor. Conor well, McGregor. Well, they're on delay. That's why. So. They're on delay. Yeah. Connor, you casuals. That's fair. I, that's that's fair. That's fair. That's, that's absolutely fair. Look, fair. Look, you you got us. We call you guys filthy casuals. Sometimes we are filthy casuals. Yeah. With in the MMA. MMA. Yeah. There's this. I may be bald like Joe Rogan, but I don't. Yeah. I don't watch uh, nearly as much. Uh, another ten from Moneybags Manford. What are you? <laughs> What are the Slouch Boys going to do with the donations? Uh, ask Brian for 10%. <laughs> Brian's already committed in this chat where he we are getting all the money. But yeah. we'll, we'll, dinner is paid for. I don't even know what the total is at right now. <laughs> if the chat hits $1,000 in donation, Chris must get a Menudo Boys tattoo. Oh, my goodness. What are we at right now? Ryan if, Ryan, if you're in there, can you let us know how much we have? I just need to, I need to know how far off. We're probably at like $300? I don't know off the top of my head. Thank you so much to everyone. Everybody. Thank you very much. Just, I'm blown away. I, I saw the first like $10. Like, oh, that's fun. That's awesome. That's fun. Now it's like. <laughs> I didn't even, I forgot that there was even donations. You know, I, I watched Dr. Disrespect a bunch on 
YouTube and sometimes it's fun. Tim the Tet Man. It's, it's fun. Yeah. It's fun seeing someone pop up like, hey, donation. It's it's great. Let's jump back into the We don't have portal. like a donation, uh, like a little thing that comes up like they do. No, 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 no. We, we like, should, though. Yeah. We well, should, though. Well, we didn't think we were going to get a donation, so. Yeah, I mean, we got we got one on the the hairstyle like it was like seven bucks or something. Oh, hairstyle! Um, we're up to three hundred seventy dollars. That is insane. Awesome. That is insane. Thank you so much. Are, did we finish with Christian Wall- Roland yes. Wallace? We did. Okay, yeah. so moving on to there, going to the offensive side of the ball at a position USC didn't really need, and you talked about this when you broke down your target list wide receiver. Weren't really going to get one or play for one unless it was like a big time name. Yep. USC gets a big time name. Arizona wide receiver Dorian Singer, six foot one, 180 pounds, led the Pac 12 in receiving yards at 1,165, six touchdowns, 66 receptions. Absolutely torched USC when they played in Tucson, seven receptions, 141, and three scores. Gerard, this was. Textbook, what you said would happen if there was a big-time receiver. They were probably going to make a play for him. USC, another big weapon on that offense. The 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 replacement for Jordan Addison for next season and another one for Caleb Williams. Yeah, replacement for Jordan Addison, eh, I don't know if I would go that far. He, he's definitely – I think we could put him in that category. You know, people ask, you know, when you're trying to upgrade, you know, what are the guys and what tiers, right? And you've got sort of that Eric Gentry – Jordan Addison, Caleb Williams, maybe Mario Williams is, is well in that tier. And I think, you know, Dorian Singer is, is in that tier. He's a different type of receiver than Jordan Addison, though. So that's why I hesitate if, if you if you use him exactly the same, if you've, there's some wrinkles there. He's a guy that has an incredible range. Um, you know, his ability with his ball skills, he plays much bigger than he is. I think he's only listed at like 6'2". He plays like he's a 6'4", 6'5 guy. I mean, he makes countless plays like that. Now, he's not particularly fast. He's not as fast downfield as Jordan Addison, and I don't see him running maybe as many skinny posts. He is a guy that, however, if you watch Arizona last year, made a ton of those big plays. Like, some of his biggest plays were when Jaden Delora actually broke the pocket. And it starts to become a street ball. And he's a guy that just has an instinct for finding the open position in the field, right? So the secondary is obviously you know scrambling. Everybody's got their head on a swivel. He seems to get loose and shake loose a lot of the times over the middle or down the sideline. So he's a guy that makes a, an incredible amount of plays over the top. Um, again, not necessarily the, the fastest guy. Doesn't have a lot of yak yards either, so he's not a guy that's you know going to catch the ball and be like Mario Williams and make a bunch of plays. You're not going to see him very much, I think, in the bubble screen game. That will be where you're going to have to use him differently than you use Jordan Addison or Mario Williams because I don't think he's a guy that's going to make a quick move, be able to break a tackle, and get upfield. He's a guy that's definitely going to get the majority of his yards off of his route. He's going to catch the ball. He's going to be big in the red zone for USC. So a different kind of weapon. You know, great catch radius, but not necessarily swift, fast, downfield type of guy. So, you know, you're going to have to play your other receivers off of him. And that's interesting when we talk about, like, Gary Bryant. And Gary Bryant is not in the transfer portal, but says that he planned on transferring. And I spoke to some sources close to him. He's going to stick around. He's going to be there for next spring. We'll see if he plays spring ball. He says, I think publicly he said he wants to play in spring ball and kind of see how it goes. I got some feeling like uh, that wasn't like 100%, you know, right now. It wasn't like, you know, for sure he was going to do that. So we'll see what happens. But 
you know, Gary Bryan is still a guy that I think a lot of. I think that he's an explosive player. He is uh, more of a downfield threat than really USC has at most of these positions. You do bring in Zach Branch, and you do bring in Makai Lemon, and both those guys have the speed to get downfield, certainly Zach Branch. But I think where maybe you lose some of that screen game with Jordan Addison moving on, you gain that with Makai Lemon, and gosh, you gain that with Zach Branch. Like <laughs> Zach Branch, tunnel screens all day to that guy. I mean, he's going to get skinny, and then he's going to make moves and get in the open field. So it's not like USC's not going to have that uh, ability to get those yak yards on the roster. They're still going to have that, and they're going to have that maybe even from an upgrade standpoint, bringing in those two freshmen. Uh, Dorian Singer, you know, he is a different type of receiver. He's a little different than they had, you know, maybe a little more like a Kyle Ford type of guy, not as big and physical and, and you know, He-Man, you know, Ford is just like a dude when, when uh, you look at him physically. But Singer plays like that. That's the thing about Singer is, you know, he plays a little like Drake London, even though he's not 6'5", 225 pounds. Definitely. And he's a dog. You know, he was a walk-on at Arizona and worked his way up to being the leading re- receiving yardage person. I can't talk right now because we've got Rece- some more donations to read off. Receiving yardage person. Receiving yardage person. Uh we have a $2 donation from Caesar. I'm poor. Don't laugh. I'm not going to laugh at you, Caesar. <laughs> Thank I, you, Caesar. We, we appreciate it from the $2 donation to a $100 two dollars for two, two stars. $2, two stars. $2 for two stars. <laughs> that That's it. That, that fits perfectly. And I also have a $5 donation from Guy. What's his name on the thing? Guy. Hey, that's Let's, Dr. Disrespect's real name, Guy. Really? Yeah. Interesting. Little little factoid. Let's address the lines as every year we are lacking compared to other major programs. And I'm not sure if this is a reference to transfer portal, but they have addressed somewhat, you know, getting Keon Bars out of the transfer portal. They're still trying to get some offensive linemen, uh, which I feel like we're going to talk about Dylan Wade at some point here in this show. And then they also just made a new offer to Washington State. Uh, starter at left tackle and left guard. Gerard, I don't have the name off the top of my head. Jared Kingston, 6'5", 300 pounds, played left tackle and left guard, three-year starter for Washington State. And they just offered him today, so still working the portal. Uh, I think I have a $0.99 donation from Bless Some Breaks. Doesn't have a message, just wanted to throw us uh, a dollar. So thank you very much. Is there any more? I don't want to miss. I have another one uh, from Caesar. I think Zach Branch could start as a freshman. Draw, what do you think? Trying to think of, you know, the the dynamic there when you've got Relique Brown and you've got guys ahead of him. I think he could start in a game because maybe somebody's banged up or what have you. I think for sure we could see that. There's going to be rotation at the receiver position. When we saw that this season, everybody said, oh, my gosh, USC is so stacked. And all of a sudden, you don't have Mario Williams. You don't have Jordan Addison. It's like, whoa, okay, so uh, who do they got? And then Michael Jackson steps up. Kyle Ford steps up. So there's going to be that part of the season where you're going to have to put those guys in. So certainly, I think Zan Branch is good enough to come in. Is he going to start day one if that's the implication? I don't think so. I don't think so. I think he's going to get plenty of playing time. He and Makai will both get plenty of playing time, but I think special teams originally special teams for sure, you know, and that that's another area where Gary Bryant would be a, a great asset coming back. But certainly, I think that wrinkle of running those running back or those those wide receivers, you know, using those wide receivers as running backs, using them in the in the option game, in the screen game, and what have you. I think we've seen some of that. Uh, this past season, but you could see a lot more of it with both those players and certainly with Zach Branch. I mean, that could be very dynamic, very explosive. 
uh, hold on, I just had Bless and Breaks did another donation of $2. I'm poor and am in Korea. What time is it in Korea? Fisk and Wade, chances? Oh, Fisk. Thank you once again. More addressing the, the line as a guy. Yeah, to. I know. Brandon Fisk is just, we have not gotten anything on him. Um, not really. Nothing, you know, a lot of sort of like, okay, it's SC, it's Florida State. But Notre Dame is, is there as well. And Notre Dame was the first school that uh, it got him on an official visit. Then he took that official visit to Florida State and went directly from Tallahassee to USC and had a truncated trip. So he wasn't at in Los Angeles on his official visit, quote unquote, for the full 48 hours. But I think he stayed all the way till Monday. Um, and this was sort of like with Mason Cobb as well. He, he didn't get back home until, uh, was it Tuesday night? I can't even remember if it was like Monday night or Tuesday night. But they all kind of could stay in L.A., but they had to be on their own dime. It's one of those things where you, you, know, you can't stay on campus and do all those kind of things. You have to leave. You can't technically be hosted for more than 48 hours. And the period where you have uh, the, the dead period comes up. And then that was really kind of the bigger issue there uh, coming uh, Monday morning, Sunday night. So uh, nevertheless, it was a truncated visit for Fisk. We have not heard a whole lot. Uh, Florida State guys have been on it. You know, they 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 have a little bit of a relationship with the family and they've gotten some good information. And, you know, they've um, seemed to be able to know what's going on a little better, which gives me the vibe like maybe he's leaning towards Florida State. Um, but I just haven't got anything on my side that that's uh, really yay or nay on, on Fisk. Um, with Wade. Interesting. <laughs> yeah, we don't really know <laughs> either way. With Wade, though, uh, originally there was like a lot of feeling like Auburn, I think over the weekend because they got the last visit, there was some trepidation there. Like, uh, but, but the fact that he's waiting and that he said he was going to wait, but I think Tuesday there was some chatter like he might pop anyways. And so that we've gotten past that Tuesday and he may actually wait the week out. I think it looks better and better for USC. That's, that's the vibes I'm getting more on this side of the country. Uh, another guy that we're going to try to reach out to transfers are a completely different animal when it comes to covering recruiting than high school kids. You know, you just, you don't get to build a relationship with them. I don't know Dylan Wade from a hole in the ground, you know, he looks like a great kid and everything. And, and, but during the recruiting process, USC was nowhere to be found. They didn't recruit him. Um, I don't know how hard Oklahoma recruited him out of high school, but these are a lot of kids that you just don't know. And then they become men and they're dealing with media in a completely different way than when they're a high school kid. And it's like, Oh my gosh, you know, I'm trying to get scholarship offers. I'm just trying to get exposure. These guys aren't trying to get exposure, you know, and they really just want to get the recruiting process done as quickly as possible. And so, you know, even when I talked to Mason Cobb, he's like, Oh man, I'm just so happy to be done with this and, and to be moving on. And I just want to get it quick done quickly. And I think that's the sentiment of a lot of the top guys. They're just, they don't want to go through the recruiting process really the second time again. They want to get it done quickly, and they want to get out of it different things than the high school kids do. And so um, getting them on the phone uh, when you just don't know them, like I said, from a hole in the ground, it's like you know they're just not going to pick up. They're just not interested. They don't see they're getting anything really out of it necessarily. I was really grateful for Mason Cobb just to share a little bit about why he likes USC and what drew him to USC. And I think on the flip side, USC gets something out of that because Mason Cobb had some really good things to say about the chemistry and the culture that's being built on the roster for USC. You know, he talked about the players and the coaches and the relationships and the bonds that they had and watching that and being a part of that just for that short period of time. He said it was beautiful. It was like something he's never really experienced before uh, in a locker room. So that was the main thing that he came away from his visit. That was the highlight of his visit. And that ultimately is why he decided he wanted to become Trojan.
And Wade also a little bit cheeky yeah. tweeted out a fight on emoji. <laughs> and just one fight at, he almost just, it's like, hey, I'm gonna be Lincoln Riley for a day. You were wait we were waiting for the Eagle. We're waiting we're, for yeah, like, we're exactly. waiting for Eagle, but no, no, as, as far as I know, there has been no Eagle. The no Eagle has not landed on his social media, so no. just decided to tweet out a fight on. Could He's be good got news. like nice edits on his IG. He's you know that you would think there would be a little more going on there. I don't think that's a commitment. You know, no, I, I don't think that's a commitment. I, I so, think he was just, I don't know, feeling USC wanted to throw out a fight on. Yeah. I, I, I don't know, Had but a good I, conversation with. The, I would say it's a, a good sign, and I would expect that commitment to get wrapped up in the next couple days, couple weeks. He said he wanted to to wrap that up within the course of a week, and I believe that was like three days ago. So yeah. we're looking on that to come to a close. And I don't know that 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 one. Ooh, that one has a, a a feel of a, maybe a Christmas commitment. I don't know. Feels kind of Christmassy. We might be working Christmas, Chris. Might be working. I mean, I'm always I'm working all the time, Gerard. But that'd be a huge one. Like, if yeah. you but if you could only get one, who would you take? Between Wade or Fisk? Oh, put you on the spot. You know, oh man, that that is that is a tough one. I don't have like a a clear answer. You don't. I, I haven't really watched enough of Wade. On film, uh, he started all his games at left tackle for Tulsa. I've seen Fisk play, and I like that Fisk, you know, 6'4", 300 pounds, he plays outside and inside. So he does a little bit of Thule. He doesn't do the, you know, zero blitz, I'm off in coverage 15 yards downfield. But he does move inside, outside. I, I kind of feel like maybe Fisk because I think there's potentially some good offensive linemen that are going to end up in the porthole down the line, and you kind of got to get your defensive front seven players when you can get them, like, Guy comes to be available. You got to get out there. You got to get him for a visit. You got to get your in on visit. You got you got to scramble and get those guys when they're out there. You can't wait and say, well, you know, in January after the bowl games or maybe the second wave here, the second window in May, there'll be a guy available. You you kind of have to get those guys um, ASAP. But um, you know, it's it's close though because I think uh, I think Dylan Wade is 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 a really good player. I just haven't seen enough of him um, as a left tackle. Six four. You know, 295 pounds. He's not necessarily like the classic 6'5", 6'6", you know, 300-pound type of, you know, franchise guy necessarily. He He's built at least a little more like maybe Elijah Vera Tucker. But Elijah Vera Tucker was great for USC, you know, having played guard and then moved out. So, but I do think offensive line, there's, there's some good offensive linemen out there. Mm-hmm. USC has not offered as many offensive linemen as I thought they would because they're losing Andrew Voorhees. And those interior guys tend to be more available. There's usually some decent talent out there for interior offensive linemen. So, you know, we'll see. And is the Jarrett Kingston offer, does that have something to do with Dylan Wade? I don't know. I mean, they need more. They do. They need at least, at minimum, two guys that could start. I think two to four, for sure, is what you're looking on the offensive line. And, and you'd like to get four guys. And if you could get two or three guys interior, you're not, you're not going to probably find – two franchise guys that are tackles. But if you could get two guys, one guy that could play left tackle for sure, and one guy that could play right tackle, and they get two interior guys, I think that would be perfect. Should we just kick it to uh, some more defensive linemen, front seven guys? You know, Elijah Hughes yeah. did pick up a commitment. This is a guy that committed earlier in the week, you know, didn't didn't wait until his signing day. But we could talk about him right now, three-star Edge rusher, defensive lineman, six foot two and a half, uh, 235 pounds or 45 pounds? 65 pounds. 65 pounds, sorry. All the, all the weights get uh, – Well, you got him as an edge rusher, and he's really more of a five technique and the three technique. 
Yeah, and he told me that he is going to start playing as an edge rusher and that there is opportunity for him to play uh, three technique when he gets on campus. That's something he talked with Sean Nua and uh, Alex Winch about in his recruiting process. But Arlington, Virginia, DMV area, he is another uh, lineman for this front that can play with. It was down to USC and Virginia Tech, and he was – Kind of similar to Marion Peterson, it's just kind of off the grid. Didn't yeah. do interviews. Well, he 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 basically told people he's yeah. going to be off the grid. Marion Peterson never, never <laughs> said it. We just figured it out when he never returned any calls or messages. Yes, or at least at least Hughes was like, I don't do interviews until I'm committed. Yeah. So <laughs> Marion couldn't even really find him. But Hughes, it's a good pickup. You know, I got to see him. Haven't seen him playing in person, but I did get to see him when he was on campus during his official visit and looked like a pretty good player. Some really thick trunk of a legs. I think this is a guy you're, you're you, obviously you need to put some weight on him. Not going to be early enrollee. We'll be in a, a summer enrollee, but I think it's a good pickup for a a defensive line or a class that needed some defensive linemen. Pair him with Sam Green, different players, but I think they help in a lot of ways, especially with depth. Yeah, and I think you know certainly if there's a a, a common attribute with all the defensive linemen that USC has committed, whether it be transfers in like Keon Bars or the guys that they're getting out of high school, it's quickness. It's quickness. Like that is the common theme with every one of these guys that get off the ball extremely quick. Now, the question comes, are you getting guys that are quick and maybe a little undersized at the sacrifice of, you know, a 300-pound guy, right? So, you know, Keon Bars is 310, but it's 265. I think Sam Green goes about 260. Uh, smaller guys, right? And, and you know, I hate to, to even utter the phrase because I know that uh, sometimes the, the, the pumpers get a little upset when we start talking about small ball, which was something that was coined with uh, Oklahoma fans when Alex Grinch was at Oklahoma. And, you know, the first thing is like, well, where, where, where does Alex Grinch ever say that? When did Alex Grinch ever say that he wants smaller guys that are faster instead of big guys? Well, he's never said it. It's more of looking at the recruits that Oklahoma had when Grinch was a defensive coordinator. And you look at the defensive linemen that they recruited, they recruited a lot of edge guys. They recruited a lot of defensive ends and then try to get those guys to play defensive line, which you can if those guys can put on the weight and you can get some 290, 200, you know, like at least 85-pound defensive linemen that are playing three technique or playing over the, the, the center as a one-shade, a zero-shade, whatever you're lining them up as. You do have to have some big bodies, and, and we only say that because that has been the precedent set by Alabama, Clemson, uh, you know, Georgia, um, you know, Ohio State. They have multiple 300-pound bodies on their defensive line. So you're going to play those teams, and, and you even in the Pac-12, where you go to go play at Utah, you're going to play those teams that are just going to mic block you, right? They're just going to G-scheme, and they're going to come straight at you, and when you have these smaller guys uh, that are, you know, 270 pounds, 275 pounds, sometimes you just get manhandled, and you just get grinded, and we've seen that uh, from the Oklahoma teams in the playoffs. They just, they just could not handle those big bodies, so people don't want to see that mistake made, if it's perceived mistake, with USC, and 
it is sort of, you know, a, a little bit of a pattern that we're seeing where, you know, they got some guys, but they've been smaller guys. Now they're extremely quick. We got to see how they build up within the system. Because again, I think um, if we're going by what has been successful at the highest levels of college football, you got to have some big guys there. So we'll see if that comes through the porthole or not. But, um, you know, I really, I like Elijah Hughes. I don't see him as an edge rusher. I think he's got to play inside um, and very quick. You know, I think you want to put 280 pounds on him, 275 pounds or, or so. He kind of, you know, can kind of play against that Nick Figueroa position where you're playing more as a five technique and whatnot. Nick did stand up a bit, and so he technically was a, a pass rusher, but I think USC looked at him as a down lineman. I mean, there's the guys that are actually over there with Roy Manning and the guys that are kind of more quasi-linebackers. And, you know, uh, Jamil Mohammed, who someone USC just got committed from Georgia State, who's 6'2", 245 pounds. When you watch him play, you see a guy that's got a little more linebacker in him than defensive lineman. You know, he's standing up on the edge and being a Florida quarterback in 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 high school, uh, you see the awareness. You know, we talked about that with Braylon Shelby, but you see the awareness of a guy that understands – his relationship with the ball carrier on the edge, and that's very important to be an edge player. You see a lot of guys uh, kind of take themselves out of plays. I mean, we've seen a little bit of that with Corey Foreman. I think Corey's getting better at that where he's not trying to make these pass rush moves or trying to make these moves against the blocker and taking him out completely uh, of the play. Um, one guy that USC was after who didn't officially visit last week, and he was originally scheduled to officially visit last week, and was Josiah uh, um, Stewart. Stewart from Coastal Carolina. Same kind of build uh, to some extent as Jamil Muhammad. He's a 6'2", 235-pound um, stand-up rush end. Uh, he played mostly stand-up rush end. He played more with his hand on the ground um, his uh, freshman year. But sophomore year, he played as a sort of bandit position, which is you know basically like a stand-up rush end. And I saw a lot of film on him where he just kind of buries head in the chest of the offensive tackle and not have an awareness to where the ball carrier was, you know, and sort of take himself out of plays. Where I watch Jamil Muhammad, I see a guy that because he played quarterback in high school, I think he understands not only just with the run game, but when the pass game becomes a run game with a mobile quarterback and understanding the relationship you have to have in containment and making good plays in that regard and, and using those blockers sometimes to to jam up the, the running lane and, and using those guys to be able to negotiate around and still make that tackle in the offensive backfield. So I think with guys like that, you know, you want to have that awareness. You want to have that athleticism. I think with a guy like Elijah, he's just super quick into the hole. I mean, he is a guy that you want a one-gap defender. He's just going to shoot that A-gap or that B-gap, and he's going to be in the offensive backfield and be very disruptive. And I really like his film. I mean, it's really good. I don't know competition level-wise, you know, if, if – if we're just seeing him play against some guys that you know are just not very good football players, it is I think six A Virginia, um, but he dominates. I mean, he I think he had twenty four and a half sacks as a junior, so I mean he absolutely dominates the way you want to see on film of a high school player. I think he's he's actually an exciting get, but he is a guy that you're going to have to put weight on to to play against Utah, you know, to play against uh, um, Notre Dame, to play against some of these bigger teams that are just going to maul you up front with three hundred and ten pound offensive linemen. You can't see the chat, but I just want to let you know everyone is very excited about smaller defensive linemen. Oh, geez. And we've talked about this on the podcast. If it's your first time listening to the podcast, we have – Gerard has hammered on the philosophy of having quicker, smaller defensive linemen in Alex Grinch's scheme. And what that might look like down the line, it's something that 
USC is going to have to change if well, they move forward. We yeah, we don't know if that's what they want to do. And again, it's the you know, are you really sacrificing? You've got Dejan Lafitte, who's you know a, a good six three. 285 pounds. I mean, he'll be 300 pounds for sure. So he's another guy that's very quick. He plays uh, five technique as well as playing inside. He's going to play inside in college. Uh, but because he can play outside, you see the athleticism, you see the quickness. It's just a little bit of a showcase. But he's another guy that's super quick. But he's got 285 pounds on him. So he's not necessarily a, a, a guy that you would say, okay, that's small ball. Neither is Keon Bars, a, a guy like that. Neither is Braden Fisk. So we're looking at what happened at Oklahoma, and we see some of the players they had at Oklahoma, and yes, they were definitely heavy on defensive ends and didn't recruit a lot of 300-pound guys. I think you know they got some guys from JUCO here and there that were like 200, 300, but out of high school, it was mostly a lot of like 215-pound guys, 230-pound guys uh, that were more edge rushers, and then maybe through the system, you're trying to bulk them up and to play them inside. And listen, I also have to say this, on the West Coast, you're going to have to do that. You're going to have to go out and get Christian Rector at 240 pounds and put weight on him to make him a three technique. That's just how it is. These guys on the West Coast are just not coming out of high school already grown-ass men at 310 pounds like you see in the South. It's a different deal. So you do have to have a good strength and conditioning system. You have the good nutri nutrition system, and you have to have coaches that understand what you're recruiting and have that patience. So, again, yeah, on one hand, you see – it sort of reinforced with Sam Green and Elijah Hughes to some extent being, you know, smaller, quicker guys. And smaller, it's not really the weight. It's it's the length. It's the, you know, are you 6'4", six, 6'5", six, or are you like 6'1"? You know, which, you know, you made an interesting comment because you saw Elijah pay, or excuse me, Elijah Hughes and Sam Green like back-to-back -back weekends and you were standing next to them on the sidelines. You you said something to the fact that you Sam Green looked more like a fullback. I mean, he was built more like, a big running back as opposed to Elijah Hughes, who had a little more length and he looked a little more like a defensive lineman. Yeah, he yoked, as uh, Ryan would uh, have you believe, as I would say, just but just doesn't look like a defensive lineman that I'm used to seeing. You know, doesn't look like a Grant Bucky. He's You're just, talking about Sam Green now. Sam Green, yes. Yeah. And Elijah Hughes, a little more just looked really athletic is what both of those guys look very athletic. They're not like big bellied uh, defensive linemen guys out of the South. They look like trim cut muscular kind of dudes where they have more room to put on weight, but they just didn't look like any sort of traditional defensive lineman that you're used to seeing uh, with that. You know, you're talking about like six foot five, six foot four, a little smaller, quicker, uh, but physically very developed, and I just don't know what that's going to look like. I know, I know, I'm excited to see what Sam Green when he gets here in the in the in, in January, and what that's going to look like in the summer, or excuse me, the the spring when he's going up against these USC offensive linemen. Is he going to be making those plays that he's making? You know, playing for a national schedule with St. Francis is is he going to be able to do those things when he's going up against? grown men and that's going to be the key is can he contribute year one or does he need another year to kind of put on some more weight to to catch up to that speed that he has i tell you when you can worry worry if keon Barr says at some point during spring ball i'm dropping weight and i want to be 280 to get faster then you can start to say uh, there's 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 a philosophy being reinforced here about being smaller and quicker as opposed to you know being bigger and stronger and, and using your size so 
Uh, someone in the comments wants you to know that the front seven class is terrible and they're out on this team. There you go. Until Alex Winch is gone. There you go. Okay. All right. That, that, that's Fair your enough. choice. That's your choice. Uh, I'll see you outside of the outside of the chat. Uh, moving on. Uh, well, we kind of talked about Washington State uh, offensive lineman Jarrett Kingston, six foot five, three hundred pound left tackle, left guard. I think a lot of people would love to have him on this team. Someone asked in the the comments, Gerard, why do you think USC is being more picky with their offensive line offers? Yeah, I don't know. I mean, kind of talked about that. I think there's some quality guys. Um, you know, Ben Coleman um, ends up committing to Arizona State. I like Ben Coleman. I thought that was a pretty good player. You know, Travion Brown uh, did visit USC, the linebacker out of Washington State. And Travion and Ben are, are old high school teammates, and they're very close. And I originally been told that they were going to visit together, but we never heard about Ben Coleman actually visiting. So maybe that happened, and, you know, Ben Coleman – Offensive linemen in general are not necessarily the most chatty, you know, social media divas. You know, they're not out Unless there. Unless you're Zach Banner. Like the other guys. In terms of chatty. Wow. Not what diva, a chatty. What a chatty. shot. You threw, chat, you threw diva in there at the last second. It was already, it was already, already, Banner was the already, ball coming, was already rolling. It was only rolling and you threw on diva. I was like, oh no. I remember, you know, I told, I told Zach Banner's mom, I said, you know what? Of all the kids I've ever spoken to in recruiting, and I've spoken to a lot of them, if I had to pick one guy that could potentially be president of the United States, it would be Zach Banner. I think I think Zach Branch could also be president of the United States. Zach Branch <laughs> has got a little bit of that to him, too. Maybe it's the Zachs. Maybe it's just your, your name being Zach. Zach is just uh, a, a name for the people. Hey, Zach Lojado, old uh, staff writer on Earth. Shout out to Zach Lojado. He's probably not watching, but, you know, Casey is. <laughs> I, Everybody, I, the old school pair of stylers remember Zach. Zach from, was pre Chris, pre even Keeley, I think. From Troy Annenberg himself. Oh. Uh, dropping that. Wow. We have over 700 people watching nice. consistently. So, consistently. <laughs> I'm just saying it's been consistent uh, with that. I, I want to throw it a little bit more to the front. Let's talk about Trace Ford. Okay. Because this is a guy who took a visit with Mason Cobb. And I actually posted on the Peristyle a couple days ago a little nugget. Uh, just a little, little, little incentive. You know, if you want to join the Peristyle, get information much earlier. But I, I dropped on there that USC was in a very good position after the visit, and he already tweeted that he is shutting down his commitment right after the visit. And I, I tweeted out everything seemed to be aligning, and I had a source tell me, you know, USC is the favorite here, and I believe Mason Cobb committed that day. So yeah. I. I don't think they were going to go back-to-back on commitments right, in terms yeah. of, you know, stepping Probably on each not. other. Probably not. But I, I haven't heard anything that tells me that USC is not the favorite after that. We've had a lot of people ask nervous, me. nervous, Chris? I'm always nervous. But, you know, I, I stick to what I wrote. And we've had a lot of people asking about Trace Ford in the, in the chat. And what are your thoughts on him? My thoughts are when he's healthy – He's a hell of a player. He puts a he puts a theory uh, uh, your theory to the test or your philosophy with yeah. being productive versus well injury. no it, it, I mean he he's been productive and he's also been injured and mm-hmm. so it's more of the you got to really vet these guys that you bring in that are injured because if they take medical red shirts uh, and end up being medical uh, retirements they're that scholarship spot is on your roster until that player's eligibility is exhausted. 
Okay, that you 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 that's 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 the rule now with transfers. So you have to be very very cautious with guys uh, and their injuries. And he did play last year, uh, but he wasn't nearly as effective last year as he was in that breakout. Uh, really, it was I think his 2020 season is where you know that was his best year where he really was like causing havoc everywhere. So this is definitely more of a gamble for USC. This is definitely more of a you know we're hoping he can be his 2020 uh, healthy self than what we've seen more recently and um you know he's not the former uh i can't i can't actually remember what he was rated out of high school usc never recruited him i don't know if he was a three-star he was four a star. three-star three i've star. seen it written as four-star but I, I looked up his recruiting profile it said three-star yeah so maybe he was a four-star for just 24 7 or, or for somebody uh specifically but composite wise was a three-star it's it's more of the you know former uh, five star that uh, you know two years has you know seven tackles and one point five for losses and has two knee injuries and it's like okay yeah he was a five star in high school but what did he do in college he did nothing in college he wasn't productive at all in college Trace Ford has done something in college he just has not been consistent he has not done things recently and I think that's why it's more of a gamble because you really want production out of that spot I mean you're going to potentially have to replace Solomon Bird. Uh, we know you're going to have to place, uh, replace Nick Figueroa. Nick Figueroa was was like low-key really good for USC. I mean, I don't think he got enough run consistently. I mean, consistently here is the word we keep on using. But he was a guy that showed a lot of flashes, and it was like, okay, keep him in there. You know, let Nick get a little bit to eat here. And he, they, they, they want to rotate, want to rotate. And I think just, you know, the past couple years with the defensive line in general, there's been a lot of rotation. There's been a lot of movement. And, and generally you want to do that especially if you're playing a bunch of passing teams that are like no huddle, you got to give your guys some breaks and what have you. But I think even just from a starting lineup standpoint, you've seen a lot of rotation for USC. And I think it took Alex Grinch a while to kind of figure out what he liked. I mean, Dejon Benton was like this big time guy that they really were excited about. And then he got hurt. And then all of a sudden you didn't really see him much during the season. So yeah, there was a lot of uh, changing of, of, of guys. Tyrone Talele came on a little late. He's probably an exception to the rule in terms of production to get production. He really didn't do a whole lot at K-State. Wasn't a big-time guy in high school, but, you know, contributed well for USC. However, USC's got to upgrade. they got to get better. They cannot have 270-pound guys on the interior of their of their defense. Um, they're going to have to have some NFL guys here somewhere. They're going to have to get some three techniques that are 290 pounds that can go in there and dominate. And that will change the, the you know, the, the, the passing game of the opposing offense. It'll allow their secondary to do a lot if they have some decent pass rush. They had a very inconsistent pass rush. They had games where they had great pass rush, and then they had games where it was really only Thule, and that was it. That would show, you know, a flash here and there in the game. You know, that last game against Utah, USC didn't have a lot of pass rush. So they've got to get better up front. We all know that, you know, we're going to be, uh, talking that in the ground, beating a, a dead horse to death. We're at the two-hour mark on this live podcast. How are you feeling? Good. He, he's feeling great. <laughs> if you have been here for the should full I ask two, how you're feeling? I'm, I'm feeling fine. <laughs> I, I'm. I don't have to worry about editing this after. It's just going ah, straight, yeah. straight raw. I don't have to do that. Uh, if you've been here for the full two hours, give yourself a hand. And can I get a uh, hashtag two-hour crew? If you've been here the full. Two hours. There was a lot of one hour. This is the kind of stuff that Chris thinks about that I would literally never like two hour crew. What? (laughs) I I just want to keep the the chat engaged. They've they've turned on one uh, chat member who is just uh, they're just they're just going at him uh, right now. So I don't really have to do anything about that. They're 
they're they're attacking policing their themselves. own. They're, they're, they're policing themselves essentially, <laughs> which I find uh, fascinating. Uh, do you want to get into your target list update, or do you want to take a quick? 10 second break because we don't really get a break. I can just play this music. Uh, a 10 second break. <laughs> that's all we get. We don't we don't step away or anything. This is live. What are we gonna do in 10 seconds? I don't know. Stretch. No, keep going. Yeah, man. let's keep going. Okay, so the next thing is your target list additions, subtractions, things you wanna note about. Uh now are we talking to the 2023 target list? Are we talking about the 2024 target list? Are we going back in time and talking about the 2022 target list? The 2023 transfer portal target list. Oh, that bad boy. Okay, okay. Well which almost (laughs) killed me the first day of the transfer portal, the first week of the transfer portal where if you were there, if you remember, Gerard just broke down every position where he just talked. Oh yeah. And it was just like (laughs) you know like well it was one of those things where you've got, you know a thousand players in the first two days or something that yeah. enter the portal, and you're trying to figure out, you know, who's USC going to go after. You know, you hear things, but then there's so many guys entering. It's like beyond the point of. I, I mean, I just don't know how you put together a board that's cohesive and organized. Uh, I mean, I know it's already been talked about, but you have to have staff members now that are almost solely focused on evaluating potential transfers. Potential transfers. You have to evaluate guys on other teams that you don't even play against to know a guy that may be a good player that you liked in high school or somebody that caught your eye that for some reason you think might be a guy that ends up transferring out. So you are ready. You're ready from the standpoint of we like that guy. We're going to offer that guy. And you're ready from the standpoint of can you contact him? You got to make sure that you you have some ability to contact, and you got to be careful because you don't want to end up tampering or what have you. And and that is obviously something that has been um, in the news uh, lately. Uh, Matt Rule's tweet was something that was very popular on the Peristyle. What do you think of that, Chris Trevino? What do you think of that tweet, Matt Rule from Nebraska? Which people are saying that has to do with Oregon stealing Baylor's quarterback commit. I don't think Matt Rule really gives a crap about Baylor these days. I think there's something else that went on that was more directly affecting Nebraska recruiting when it came to Miami and Oregon. You might want to give some background as to that tweet for people who don't know. Are you referring to the one with the with the ghosts and the money bags? Yes. He's had a couple of random tweets that give me headaches. I don't know what they mean. But he's having a lot of fun uh, right now. On social media, being back in the college ranks. Let me just pull it up right here. I didn't know him to be a big social media guy at Baylor. Also, the same. The same. Or at Temple, maybe. He was just posting. uh, Yeah, he got like 8 o'clock trending down. And then I'm trying to find it right here. But he had the. Maybe his Twitter has been hacked. Maybe his Twitter has been hacked. Maybe he's on the. uh, Who's the Auburn coach? Who can't run Hugh his Freeze? own? Hugh Freeze is is banned from his Twitter. Refund me. I don't like this tweet deck because I can't pull up any. I don't know how to work this thing. I'm trying to pull up his thing. Matt Rule, you got to search Matt Rule and then. Uh, yeah, I see what people have searched for, but anyway, it's like it was like money bag ghost ghost money bag, and then it was like train. Was it train? No, it was duck. Money bag ghost, and uh, then it was you, money bag ghost. I think me personally, like me personally, me personally. Oh, you mean the you, like the the you, 
Yes, they like, do. Go, got love for Coach. <laughs> I didn't realize you weren't looking at me yeah, when I did we're that. Doing a, we were doing a who, who's on first yeah, uh, situation. You. You is like, in the you. Yeah, he yeah. was doing the hand sign, the you. Yeah. Yeah, sorry. So he's trolling? I mean, it's <laughs> trolling, but I don't know. I love know. a good troll. You know that. It's interesting. I mean, coming from Nebraska, where they're not in on a lot of guys where there's overlap there necessarily. I mean, they've got, you know, maybe a couple players there and somebody knocked on the door. But I just to come out of nowhere with that and, um, you know, to, to, to put that out there was uh, interesting, you know. It, it, and again, not a guy that I would expect it from. For sure. Yeah. Did, again, didn't expect him to be like uh, a troll on social media. Uh, Dry, we got another donation uh, from Money Mitchell. He's, He's back, back with a vengeance. Uh, Two-hour two crew. See? Two yep. See? There you go. See? I'm a marketing wizard. Off topic, but Gerard, is Dante Williams getting an extension? I thought he was on a one-year deal. That is, that is true. Good yeah. question. Um, is he getting an extension? You know, he took an interview with UNLV for the head coaching job, and so didn't get it obviously. Yeah, didn't get it obviously. Uh, I'm sure he'll he'll be looking around a little bit. You know, I think he wants to be a head coach for sure. Um, I would think he will. You know, it's 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 interesting question and not something that I've actually asked about or even thought about necessarily. Um, but um, yeah, that's uh, that's actually something that we're gonna have to kind of ask around about a little bit. Try to get a little bit of a vibe. As to, you know, is there another school that might try to make a play for him? We know that when Lincoln Riley came along, uh, Oregon made a play for him. And I was told by a pretty good source that Oregon actually offered him more money and he decided to stay at USC. So I think family-wise, there was a lot of things that brought him to USC. It wasn't just the money bags. I mean, he's getting paid really well. I think he's like an 850 sort of uh, level guy, which, you know, you have those assistants, those few assistants that are million-dollar assistants. And then you've got a guy like that that's, you know, like eight hundred fifty, almost nine hundred thousand dollars a year. Um, but uh, nevertheless, uh, I think there are a lot of reasons why he came to USC, and, and probably reasons why he would want to stay at USC. So, um, you know, I would think so, but you never know if there's an opportunity out there, maybe at a little, you know, smaller mid major or what have you, and you feel like you can make a splash, and you know, they're they're looking just for a guy who's just a dog recruiter. You know, it might be a head coaching uh, position that that pops up. I I never say never with these things. I I learned my lesson when Cliff Kingsbury was seven and five and got fired by Texas Tech and ended up the head coach of the Arizona Cardinals. We have another donation from Money Manford. He saw Money Mitchell, uh, Money Bags Manford, excuse me. Money Mitchell dropped in some Money Bags. Manford had to get back in another ten dollar donation. Will there be a meet and greet in Texas for the bowl game? Uh, with the amount of money you guys have dropped for this podcast, yeah, I, uh, we'll, <laughs> that's, we'll, we'll that's probably it out. what it'll go towards, we'll, right? We'll, yeah, it'll it'll be for the <laughs> drinks for all that. So Ryan, somewhere in this chat, Ryan is all about that, all about it. I I won't dress up as a Macho Man, uh, Randy Savage for this one. Crop, brother. I will not do that. But if people enough people are interested, you know, maybe they don't want to after the last meetup. What uh, was the last meetup in Vegas? Okay, and everyone was very confident about the results. Oh, jeez, uh, yeah. it was. Uh, they were on the peristyle as well, but that tends to be par for the course, right? Look, Caleb Williams got hurt. I, I don't know what to tell you. That game's probably a little bit different if he didn't pull the hammy. But yeah, we'll... it's different. I don't know if the result is different. I mean, we can debate that all, 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 all to the cows come home. 
But, but we're uh, but we are still on the target list editions. Yeah, I was gonna say I we believe. didn't even like really jump into the target list. Yeah, well, I mean, there's there's a few interesting editions, and like we talked about with offensive line, I think that's where uh, you know that's I think there's some quality players there. Um, you know, Stanford offensive tackle starting left tackle uh, Walter Rouse is in the the transfer portal. Um, so he's a guy that, you know, Stanford's basically their – seems like their whole team outside of David Bailey. Everybody's just waiting for David Bailey to jump in to the to the portal, and he's the one guy that isn't in the portal, but everybody else is in the portal. Um, Virginia, uh, offensive tackle, Logan Taylor, who is, I think, uh, from Nova Scotia, and he was a guy that actually ended up taking over for Bobby Haskins because Bobby Haskins obviously was a grad transfer and transferred to USC. So he got a bunch of stars. Now he's leaving – uh, Virginia, so Virginia's kind of in a, a real bad way uh, in terms of um, you know their offensive line, but maybe there's a pipeline there for USC, like with Virginia offensive linemen um, and Kentucky. Uh, Kenyatta uh, Good Goodwin, who was a five star, four to five, four to five. He star. entered the portal. He entered the portal. Yeah, I missed that one. Originally from Louisville, um, he's at Kentucky right now. Uh, entered the portal. Uh, he's something like you know six six, three hundred fifty pounds. Uh, one of those guys that now. You know, hasn't had a lot of production uh, at Kentucky, only played in some of their real mop-up, you know, blowout-type games. But, I mean, you're just looking at the raw ability and package, and he doesn't have any real injuries that we know of. So I wouldn't throw him into, like, this sort of Ishmael Sopcher category of, okay, stay away from him just because he's from an SEC school and he's a former five-star. You don't just get him based on his high school tape. This is a guy where he – I mean, he's a freshman, so – you can look at his high school tape and say, yeah, he he was really good. And I think Josh Henson, the offensive line coach and offensive coordinator for USC, recruited him while he was at Texas A&M. So that's an interesting one to watch. That's one of those sort of guys that's potentially potentially a sort of franchise left tackle. And I think offensive line is where there's guys that keep popping up where you're like, man, this guy's you know, he's, he, he started all his games last year. Um, you know, he has a bunch of snaps. He's been very productive and in for some good offenses. So, you know, that's kind of jumped up. Uh, one guy that you mentioned uh, to me uh, today that I didn't see, I think when I was driving over here, he popped up in the portal, was uh, uh, Eric uh, Gilbert, Gilbert, who's back in the portal. So I don't know how that's going to roll because, you know, he's going to have to get a waiver of some sort to be able to play this year. Um, Can you explain who that is for people that don't? Yeah, go ahead. He's the former five-star tight end that originally committed to LSU, then went to the portal, then I believe almost went to Florida, but then ended up at Georgia, which, as we know, has been hot when it comes to recruiting tight ends and using tight ends. Brock Bowers, uh, top tight end in the nation. And Gilbert wasn't really a factor this season and has decided to look elsewhere. And as you mentioned, his second time in the portal. So yeah. he's already used his one-time free transfer. Yeah. So, I mean, usually to get a waiver, you ha- it has to be something with getting closer to home. So, I don't know. Maybe he's going to Georgia Tech. I don't know if USC would be involved in here. Uh, but nevertheless, uh, an interesting name as a former five-star recruit, but has I mean has no production behind him. So you got to wonder about that. You know, that's a little bit of a, a red flag in my opinion. But uh, you had a bunch of other guys just commit elsewhere. So a little house cl- uh, cleaning here. Kyrie Jackson, the six three hundred eighty-five pound cornerback uh, that uh, is uh, from Alabama, uh, a guy that started in the national championship game for Alabama, but didn't really play a whole lot last year. Uh, he 
ended up transferring to Oregon, which we, we thought. Um, Justin Flo, uh, the former five-star linebacker from Upland, who fan favorite of the people. Everybody, you know, wanted to see transfer immediately, but another former five-star with textbook what you don't yeah, want. Yeah, not a lot of production, but a lot of injuries, and he's going to Arizona. So, you know, a big name for Arizona, but a guy that I think a lot of Trojan fans are sort of skeptical of, and I think rightfully so. I, I don't think that's necessarily a guy uh, you really want to go after at this point in time. Uh, Travion Brown, we talked about he and Ben Coleman going to Arizona State. Uh, Josiah Stewart, we talked about earlier, comparing him with uh, Jamil Muhammad, who USC got as a commitment. Josiah Stewart canceled his visit to USC, ended up commi- uh, committing to Michigan, which w- wasn't really a surprise. Uh, another defensive lineman that USC did offer in the uh, portal was Anthony Goodlow um, out of Tulsa. He's uh, Dylan Wade's teammate. He ends up committing to Oklahoma State. He never uh, visited USC, but he did have a scholarship offer from USC. So um, that's sort of the house cleaning of the guys who have committed elsewhere. Travis Hunter, uh, the former Jackson State, former five-star that everybody thought was going to Florida State and picked Jackson State. Um, he is in the porthole as expected because Deion Sanders has now moved on to Colorado. Expect him to move on to Colorado as well. I don't think he's really going to entertain a whole lot of interest from other schools, but if he does... Georgia is definitely going to make a big play for them. They're going to say, hey, you know, we can do some great NIL things for you. Um, And, you know, there's potential that he gives USC a look uh, just from uh, a standpoint of of marketing and brand. And USC's done a good job from that standpoint. I mean, obviously it's Los Angeles, and there's a lot of opportunities in terms of entertainment and what have you. And a lot of these kids want to have that. And, and, And by the way, you also want to have some connections at a place you want to live after you're done with football. And so Los Angeles and Southern California is obviously one of those places. Obviously one of those places. Uh, someone asked about uh, Jordan Anderson, the the D-tackle from West Virginia. Jordan Jefferson. Jordan Jefferson. Yeah, 6'3", 310 pounds, a big uh, defensive tackle, a, a nose tackle. Actually one of the guys on the uh, transfer porthole uh, target list that's that's actually played a lot of no's. And I, that's not necessarily a position that USC uses because they're not in a, in a traditional 3-4. But he would be a big space eater, and he's a guy that um, it appears has some communication with USC. So we'll see if they make a move there. But that would be an interesting move just because uh, from the standpoint of being more of a space eater, uh, that type of player, that type of defensive lineman. And he had a really good year last year. So, I mean, he was pretty productive last year. So uh, that we're going to have to see you know, how that goes. No scholarship offer that we know of right now. Travis Hunter committed to Colorado. Shocking. Shocking. Look at, look at here's the thumbnail. <laughs> he said once he got 100,000 subscribers on his YouTube that uh, he would commit. Guess what? You're probably going to lose <laughs> – Ninety thousand <laughs> right. tomorrow, <laughs> but everyone knew. Everyone knew. Let's yeah. let's not. Uh, yeah. Let's not. Uh, I. But we missed that. Did that happen? Like probably in the I course of the two hours we've yeah, been on here. Some point today when we were uh, doing more important things like covering guys that are actually looking at USC. Damn, damn. Oh, uh oh, I'm having an issue here. Shut down the the podcast. Nope. But nope. two hours we're it was. Live. We're 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 oh, still okay, live. Okay, we're okay. still live. We're still live. Uh. I guess that's it with the transfer addition. Yeah. Someone keeps asking about Dylan Way. We talked about him maybe uh, three hours ago. Uh, <laughs> if you just no, but we we talked about you know we had the emoji out there. Took a visit down to Auburn and USC. We expect that to be in a couple days to have that out there. Maybe a Christmas commitment. That that's what it feels like. But I mean, based on his little emoji, 
I think you you feel okay about it, but I would just uh, I would just remind you to uh, to have some cautious optimism yeah. uh, with that one. But that would be a big one. Number two tackle in the portal, uh, and USC does need some tackle help certainly. Now Gerard, I think it's time we moved on to what's left. Yeah, for twenty twenty three, and we could have done this to start, but. You made the great point of, you know, the portal is a part of that and it kind of plays, it it informs what USC has left on their board for 2023. It's happening now. You know, the transfers and the portal guys are happening now. 2023, we got a dead period. And so, you know, the porthole will close January 18th, but that doesn't mean that guys won't stop, won't stop transferring. They, they can transfer. Um, it's just you have to be in the portal in order to transfer, right? But the high school players, uh, they're going to be on a little bit of a break here, you know, and um, we're not going to see them until we get into that, like, second week of January, and then they're going to start taking some official visits again. And February might actually be, well, I mean, all you would need is one commit uh, on signing day February for it to be bigger than early signing day for USC. Damn. Uh, but it could be, it could be uh, interesting for USC. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Yeah, certainly is, and there's still some big fish out there. Let's just run through them real quick. Obviously, the five-star Phoenix, Arizona tight end, Deuce Robinson. Got to get a little bit of a stock market watch on that. Uh, Folsom, four-star tight end, Walker Lyons, the former Stanford commit. Washington, D.C., five-star athlete, Nicholas Harbor, and four-star cornerback out of Gardena, Sarah Roderick Pleasant, we initially had poly four-star cornerback Dalen Austin on here, but he went ahead and signed with Oregon today. No, he didn't. Did he sign? Yeah. Signed with Oregon. Well, the article that Greg wrote, Greg Biggins, said he was not going to sign today. Uh, I saw a tweet from, from Oregon? Uh, some of my buddies at the 562.org, Dalen Austin signing with Oregon. Yeah, but I think he just commit. I don't think he was supposed to sign today. So we can follow up on that. But I think he just commit today and wasn't ready to sign yet, which is actually not a surprise. And we think he'll probably be back on campus at USC if he didn't sign. If he signed, then it's done. It's a done deal. So, Well, he's on this list until we get that final confirmation. I will look that up. But some big fish still out there, Gerard, and I think we should start with Deuce Robinson. You know, Blair Angulo. I don't know if he's still here for the vibes or is he's left because he knows we're about to talk about his crystal ball. But flipped his crystal ball to Georgia, yeah. which have picked up the momentum for the five star tight end, which not going to make a lot of people happy. No, and there's so many of these recruiting stories that don't make sense. You know, Josh Connerly, to some extent, Mateo Angulo, maybe not as much, but where you're looking at what these players say they want in a school publicly and you sort of have that checklist and you're like, okay, you're comparing schools yourself with what they're saying and you're like, okay, well, 
he's going to USC then, right? Because, I mean, you know, music major and blah, blah, blah and everything. And you're like, yeah, yeah, that's USC, that's USC. Don't that's look not, at it logically. That's not Oregon. But with Deuce Robinson, logically, just because, you know, Georgia has showcased the tight end position a lot with Brock Bowers, uh, Darrell Washington as well. They've had a lot more success. And there's a lot of teams that have utilized the tight end more than USC has this year. USC is recruiting him as, listen, this is the piece of the puzzle we don't have. We don't have a guy like you. And I've always said it's easier to recruit the blueprint than it is to recruit uh, this is what we're missing in our offense. You'll be our guy. To some extent, you know, maybe he has some big receiver vibes. I look at him and I do not compare him, having seen him play in person, with Drake London that way. I think he is a traditional tight end. He's 6'6". He's like 250 pounds. Um, he's a big dude. He's a very big dude. Now he plays some wildcat quarterback. Um, he plays like more of a regular uh, regular wide receiver position for Pinnacle. Um, he is teammates with Elijah Page, and Elijah Page has been working on him. But I think it's just at the end of the day. Baseball, okay, which is a little bit in limbo with USC right now. Like they're kind of trying to figure out what the direction of that program is going to be and, and how successful they can be. And they just haven't been as successful as they were traditionally. And then also the tight end position. Those two things line up very well for Georgia. Now, in terms of relationship with coaching staff, in terms of relationship with other recruits, uh, close to home, academics, all that lines up for USC. And I still think USC is like very much in it. In fact, I would say that the sources that I have spoken to more recently feel like they're going to get Deuce Robinson. And, and oh. I didn't necessarily ever get that vibe it's clearly with Mateo Ungalale. Now there were some people that felt like, okay, you know, this is this is this is going better. USC was making up a lot of ground here in the past month or so, but I think with Deuce, there's just there's just more confidence there. I think in, in USC circles at least. So we're you know we're talking you know people on this side of the country. I'm sure if you go and you ask people that are in the south of say, you know, Georgia's going to get them because they're national championships and they're great and it's SEC football, blah, blah, blah. But I think, you know, on the offensive side of the ball, we've seen more success. So if we're looking in terms of pattern, in terms of what, you know, USC's been able to do, they've been able to, to, to close the deal on a lot of these offensive players. It's really on the defense side of the ball that had uh, more struggles. So I think with Juice Robinson, I mean, I still think it's USC and Georgia. Some people think Texas is even snuck in there ahead of USC. I just don't think so. But again, USC just really hasn't utilized the tight end position. So if he did go to Georgia, you'd say, well, I mean, that that kind of makes sense. Like, you know, national champions and, you know, they, they throw the ball to the tight end a bunch. It, it, it makes more sense. So that's not necessarily one that you're scratching your head over in terms of the schools that he's looking at. I got a $10 donation from How Hugs. Uh, I It says, pair character bowing down saying thank you. But then they followed it up with a different with a kind of a question just donated to you all could you ever see riley uh having the cojones the fire grinch for our defense falters next year yes but i mean we're looking in the future of that i don't think that's going to happen if you're saying next year like january no <laughs> yeah. if you mean next season, <laughs> next if, season. If, this, if it if it if the defense doesn't play well yeah i mean i think two seasons and, and then you know have been at oklahoma i you know, I don't know Lincoln Riley that well. I didn't really follow him that closely at Oklahoma. 
Um, I think he's just in a different position than Clay Helton. I, I, he's built his staff differently. I think it's just totally different. I think it was a lot harder to fire a Stoops at Oklahoma when he got there and took over the job than it would be, you know, to fire uh, other coaches if if he feels like that's the missing part of them being elite. If they're a good football program again, but you're not not playing well in the big games, then you know if there's a, just an obvious sort of reason for that. I mean, you've got to address it. You you can't just you know gloss over it. It's just it's just not going to work. And and obviously the Trojan fan base is very cute into it. There's a lot of boosters that are very cute into it. A lot of former players that are very cute into it. I mean, you go into Twitter and <laughs> some of the former players are saying stuff. You know, like I I don't get that wild with it, right? I I understand how hard coaching is, and they've got families, and I just try to keep my criticism as professional and as concise as possible. I don't like to you know go in and. It's not personal. It's just not personal. Al Grinch is busting his ass to have the best defense that they could possibly field. And I think in a lot of you know respects, they did more with less. I mean, especially when you talk about that defensive line. Now, you got to go recruit those guys. Like, now you have an opportunity to get better, to actually upgrade. And there's that word again. Not replace. You don't want to replace guys on a defense that wasn't very good. you got to get better. So you have that opportunity. You, you, you do that. If you don't actually improve and, see, and we see some improvement, then, yeah, you have to make some judgment calls on that. And I, I think, you know, $12 million man, there's a lot of pressure on Lincoln Riley. He's going to have to make those calls. Got to make those calls as the head coach. I had a $10 donation from Alex. Uh, Thank you, Sonny Alex. just saw a tweet that Travis Hunter committed to USC. I think that's a troll. I just checked and everything is saying Colorado on my end, so... Not sure where that is coming from. And Jarred just wanted to update Dalen Austin locked in LOI. Really? Letter of intent. Wow. LOI with Oregon. I think he, he told Greg literally today that he wasn't ready to sign today. So okay, that's off the off the board. Off the board. And that's something I reported in the war room months ago that Oregon was yeah. going to. So I just want to pat myself on the back. For that one. Yeah, we knew he wasn't going to stay with LSU. I mean, that was... <laughs> I mean, I knew that when he committed to LSU, yeah, that he wasn't yeah. going to. But, yeah, Dalen Austin off the board. So, Roderick Pleasant is kind of your top high school cornerback that you're still going after. Someone asked, when is he going to commit? Track guys usually commit in February. So, expect that one to go out into the normal signing period. I did have another question I just wanted to ask you since we're kind of back on the 2023 class. Uh, from Oscar, what grade would you give this recruiting class? Hmm. I know you don't love doing grades, but since I got no, here, I mean it's um, it's probably better to like grade by position. But overall, yeah, like a like a like a like a B minus. I, I guess it's kind of what I'm feeling. You know, I kind of have to really look at it as a whole. I haven't had time <laughs> to really to really take it take all it all in. in. Sort of like okay, this is the class. I mean, it's the class that's been the class here for the past few months. So it's not necessarily like there's all these new additions. Um, but you, you're, you're constantly looking at what is going to be added to the class and, and you're trying to, uh, you know, gauge how much those players make an impact and how much they improve the class. I think it's been floating around like a B minus B uh, for a while. You know, you just don't have right now those guys up front that are the difference makers, uh, in my opinion. I think that's, Really, you know, the interior defensive lineman and, you know, maybe another offensive tackle that could really be a guy that would push uh, early on for, for playing time. So I think that's where uh, you're, you're, you're falling short. They don't have any real, like, elite defensive backs either, 
But having said that, um, I, I really like Christian Pierce. I think he's underrated. I think he's a four star. Um, they're still searching for another cornerback uh, slash for another slave one. safety. I mean, they offered J.C. Hart, which was uh, I, I'm going to say this, and I'm going to I know I'm going to get a lot of pushback from the pumpers here. They're they're going to be mad at this, but I'm going to say that was a little bit of a Clay Helton offer. I, I didn't like that offer. Uh, you're, you're 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 offering a guy from Auburn, Alabama, that's committed to Auburn, like. A few days before signing day, like I don't know what that offer was about. I think it was just in response to probably feeling like maybe Tyler Scott was slipping away, and you're trying to see if you can pick up somebody because you know Scott's going to Auburn. Okay, maybe that you know ruffles some feathers or what have you. But yeah, I think they've been swinging hard at that. Like I, I again, it's that hybrid sort of cornerback safety position and going after guys. And I just don't know. I mean that that seems like you could just get a portal guy. Maybe they did with uh, Roland Wallace, you know, potentially. I, I see him being very similar to some of those players that they've been going at after in high school, uh, but obviously him coming in from Arizona, he's a guy that you expect to play right away. So, uh, yeah, it's a, it's a very interesting dynamic. But, again, that position, the secondary in general, is pretty young. Safety and corner, they got a lot of young dudes there. I mean, Latrell McCutcheon is only a sophomore. Um, you know, Bullock is going to be a junior next year, but he's only a sophomore. Uh, Jalen Smith is only, I think, a sophomore. You've got redshirt freshman there, uh, Zamirian Gordon. I mean, you've got a bunch of guys there that are that are all pretty much underclassmen at that position. But Kai Blackman was the only guy that was an upperclassman. Uh, I got Gerard's grade for the class. Chad, if you want to put in your grade for the for the class so far, go ahead and do that. I'm seeing technically a lot of it's bees. incomplete. Technically, it's incomplete. That's true, and you know. It's tough to grade a class when we don't know what's going to happen three years from now with that class. We can go back and be like, yeah, this is A class. So I know somebody commented, like, how can you grade it now, these kids now? It's like, yeah, I understand that. But it's like human nature in recruiting. Like, you want to just give that grade out right away. Yeah, you're you're, you're grading based purely off of what, the, you get, what needs you needed to fill. The rating statistic and the needs you need to fill. Yeah, you're you're. You're looking at, okay, this guy's a four-star, so he's going to come in. He's going to be like an all-conference level player, maybe like a third-team all-conference or honorable mention, but nevertheless, a, a guy that contributes and starts for your program. Now, in reality, I mean, that four-star guy might not end up playing at all. Uh, yeah, that's something that we have to like look at long-term scouting-wise, but you're just looking for the, for, the, for the base value. It's like a preseason ranking, right? Like, you know, it's all just for – the, the entertainment value of it to some extent because, yeah, some of these guys, I'll give you a great example. Kate Eldridge, right? 6'4", 235 pounds, uh, three-star out of uh, Washington, and a guy that's not uh, looked at very highly by the services. That's a three-star guy in a vacuum. But if you look at him in USC system and you see the fit, I see a guy that's a potential four-star. Here's a guy at 6'4", 235 pounds, played small ball in Washington, but was playing running back. Like he's a guy that legitimately was their their tailback at that size, and it's like okay, that's an athletic guy. And then you look at the system that USC has, and you look at the fit at H back. That's a great fit. That's a guy that like that's perfect fit for him. So, you know, I like him more now because he's going to USC. But if you put him, you know, at uh, at Washington, or you have him go to Oregon or something, and he plays more of a traditional uh, tight end spot, maybe I'm not as high on him. So yeah, there's a lot of that that you have to consider when you're grading as well. Um, but right now, it's all just on paper, and it's all just very superficial sort of, hey, this guy's a four-star, this guy's a five-star. Again, at the top of the podcast, talked about Mateo Ungulele. And I can say this without it sounding like sour grapes because I've said it throughout the season. There's a lot of questions about the lack of production and the lack of 
how much does he really want to play football? And that's from a talent standpoint. And what does he do next year? It's not as important as the miss of the statement. You got one of the best players in Southern California. You're locking down Southern California as USC again. And we know that's like the first step. That's the first step to dominating again is really starting to lock things down. You have to. You have to. You can't be Clay Helton staff and say, oh, we missed on you know, half the best players in California. We'll just go find them in Texas. We'll go to East Texas. Right. Well, every East Texas player that's a three star is really a four star in California. You know, I've heard that before. I've heard coaches rationalize that stuff before. Like you go to South Florida, you get a guy from South Florida who's a three star. He's really would be like a four star or five star in, in California. And I'm like, OK, Keyshawn uh, Pye Young was not necessarily a five star a year. Um, so, yeah, you, you, you have to lock down uh, the local players and the local talent. But sometimes that's more of a statement then it actually is substance and in, in production on the back end. You know, that player might end up not being as good as you thought he was going to be. I mean, look at what's happened with Corey Foreman. There's another example of a guy that, I mean, that was a huge statement for USC to get the number one player in the nation at that time and to get the number one player in California. They had been beaten, I think it was like three years in a row, by Oregon. You know, they gotten uh, uh, Kevon Thibodeau. They got in Justin uh, Flo. Uh, they, were, they were killing USC with local players, getting the best player out of California. You got you to gotta stop that. So that was as much of a statement as anything. Just like it would be a statement if he transferred out, it would be like, oh, man, you know, he, would, he was like he didn't develop at USC. Is that really true? No. But that's the, that's, that's the perception. And sometimes perception is reality with these things especially when you're trying to sell on future recruits. I mean, I had the weirdest thing was when, was it Dijon Lafitte, I think, that told me, yeah, you know, I met Corey Foreman at USC before the game. And, oh, man, I always looked up to him. Like, he's such an amazing player. And I was like, at Corona Centennial, like, he's he's viewing him when he was a recruit. And that was like how it was with Biggie Marshall. That's some of these guys that are just those big-time recruits. They There's a lot of weight behind what they do at USC and the development, regardless of what the details really are in terms of whether that's fair or not to the coaching staff. It just is what it is, you know? It is what it is. We had a question. What is our scholarship position now? Aren't we over the 85 limit? Yes, USC yeah. is over the 85 limit. I believe they're at 91 with Holy Colin cow. Mobley entering the portal. So No. I thought they are like at 89, so if they lost one, they should be like at 90, no? Someone on the Peristyle broke it down, and they, it came out to Arizona 90. Italian, I think, is the guy that's like straight-up money when it comes to breaking down the numbers of the scholarship list. Well, whatever the case, they are over, so they're going to yeah, need to trim, trim that a bit, and they will have more portal entries at some point. There was another question here that I wanted to. Someone's asking about Jacoby Lang. We already talked about that, but he is still not – Signed. We're gonna have to wait on that one. But if he signed today, it was gonna be at you with USC, but didn't sign today. So we'll see if that's a flip. He's when someone who's been flirting with some other programs, but USC ASU. Not. It's it's USC ASU. and ASU. Yeah. yeah. Uh is USC looking at Steele from Ball State? I do not believe so. I think Steve Wolfong early this morning reported that Steele is actually going to stay at Ball State. That is the, wow. the move right now. So Congrats to that coaching staff getting their top running back to stick around because he was a very productive. Very productive, yeah. Very yeah. productive. So big win for them. Uh, I can't find the other question. I still haven't mastered going over these. Uh, but if I see it again, I'll pull it up. But 
Let's move it on. I think, you know, we hit on those Deuce Robinson, Walker Lyons, Nicholas Harbour, Roderick Pleasant. If I had to put those in order of USC's best chances, I'd probably go Roderick, Deuce, Walker, Harbour. Yeah. Yeah, I agree with you with that. Yeah, for sure. I think that that's the breakdown of that. And we'll have to see moving forward. Uh, And yeah, I know that Georgia... Crystal ball is discouraging, but still some time for before that. Yeah, I mean he's going to be bebopping around. He's got Under Armour bebopping around. He's going to be at Polynesian Bowl. Uh, yeah, Deuce is going to be around at a few places visiting wise. So he might have a weekend there. Like that's the one thing that we haven't seen from him. And I always say actions speak louder than words with recruiting. He hasn't been to USC unofficially a lot this season. You know, he's had some maybe some opportunities to come through. I think Elijah Page was at the Notre Dame game, and, and Deuce was not at the Notre Dame game. Um, so that's you know something that that you kind of you kind of watch for a little bit. So I don't know in January he's going to have a whole lot of opportunities to be at USC, but obviously that would be huge. I mean, you could always take like a midweek visit. Yeah, it, you know, it, it's not. Like impossible. He that's why you know, regional guys, um, guys from Arizona and USC's done a better job this cycle for sure recruiting them. But that's been like an area that USC's kind of dropped the ball a bit. You know, there's been some dudes that have come out of Arizona, Bijan Robinson, um, you know, Kylie Ringo, some guys that did just they didn't lock down and didn't really seem like they were a serious contender for some of those guys. Bijan, they were. Sort of. I mean, I think they ended up like fourth on his list, if you want to call that serious. But, um, you know, like Ringo, it's like they didn't really recruit him. So, yeah, they got to get better at that Bay Area. There's just certain things where, you know, you you, you got to recruit locally. Again, you can't just rationalize, hey, we're going to go to Texas. We're going to go to this place, that place, because it's hard consistently to get guys from there. You want to cherry pick from those places. USC with Pete Carroll, they cherry picked. Uh, New Jersey, you know, because they had Tom McNair on on the staff and and he had those connections in Jersey. You know, they go to Florida here and there, but you don't want to like make it like we got to go there to get guys that are, you know, that we need to replace other guys with. You you want to just find a guy here and there that's a five-star guy. Lane Kiffin used to always say the only time we want to go outside the state of California is for a first-round draft pick. Now, that, that wasn't necessarily how they did it, but that's a good motto to have in terms of like, you know, we're going out of state. We're going out of state for a guy that we think is going to be at least a starter for us. For sure. Oh, that was the question I found. Uh, it comes from Big T37. Do, do we have any shot at Jordan Hall or Desmond Ricks? No. I would say no. No. <laughs> Jordan Hall never made it out for a trip. Desmond Ricks visited in the summer, reclassified. Uh, yeah. No on both of those guys, unfortunately. Especially Hall, because I know Hall was... I think Hall signed, didn't he? Or is he just did he was Hall might have signed. Last time I saw him, he was at Georgia and he looked like he was gonna he was hanging out with uh Christian uh, Miller and (laughs) Mikel Williams, who USC had well silently had both committed. Um had uh Mikel Williams uh, committed publicly as well. And uh, obviously, you know, that didn't work out. Clay Helen gets fired and you know that's that's why you don't necessarily want to have five star guys from the South committed that early in the process for you, man. It's it's tough. It's um what was uh the old saying? I think it was Chris Wilson, the old defensive line coach, said that uh it's not always great being like the first one up the flagpole with everybody else looking up your skirt. Dang. 
That's a Dang. quote. That's a quote right there. Dang. Before we move on to 2024, look ahead, we've had a couple questions about Tony Grimes, the Grimeser. Yeah. And we skipped over that part in our docket, but he was supposed to take an official visit uh, last week. Canceled. Canceled. So I believe Texas A&M is where he ended up. So it does not look good for USC's chances there. Even though Tony Grimes tweeted out that he was coming to USC for a visit, but never made it out. If yep. you don't make it out, don't think you have a good shot. Yeah. I, I mean, it was going to be probably a little later visit. It might have been like Fisk where he was truncating the visit. So you could always say, well, you know, he wants to get the full 48 at USC. But I got the vibe like he was shutting it down for Texas A&M. So I'm kind of surprised he hasn't done so. Um, so we'll see if, you know, he's still an option out there, but, um, don't think so. Do not think so. Let's look to the future. I opened the wrong page once again, but we have here our little, it's our en- kind of our ending, uh, topic looking oh. ahead to 2024 USC's 2024 class currently sits with three commitments because it's never too early to look ahead. Wide receiver, Jason Robinson, at long beach poly. Oregon tight end Joey Olson and athlete Aaron Butler. Technically the first commitment uh, Lincoln Riley ever got at USC. So there's that. And then there's plenty of high-end talent for USC to go for. Drew, where do you want to start with this? You want to talk about the commits? Do we got to start with the big fellas, man. Because that's big, the big boys. kind of what's missing from this class to some extent. I like the offensive line class. Don't get me wrong. I, I think it's good. Offensive line class is definitely a step in the right direction for Lincoln Riley and Josh Henson because they've been so bad with their offensive line recruiting. So this is a, a good full class. You would have liked to have seen Caleb Lamu or another guy, again, offensive tackle, trying to get that guy for the future, trying to get some franchise-type players there, especially when you've got a Heisman Trophy-winning quarterback. You don't want to have him running around the way he had to run around in some of those games. Um, but nevertheless, I, I've said this a million times. I'm just going to keep saying it. I'm going to keep pounding the table on it. Okay, USC probably could have run the ball more than they did this year. I felt like throughout the year, with a lot of my recruiting angle pieces, I'm like, USC is the best team nationally running the ball reluctantly. (laughs) And I think that we saw, you know, kind of towards the end of the year, especially in the Notre Dame game, like what they can do. I don't know what happened against Utah. Utah had a really good, I think, scheme. I, I think they really were blowing up those slow developing plays and, the, the GT counter is a little bit of a slow developing play. You're you're pulling your guard and your tackle. And what I saw a lot from Utah is they were just shooting the gaps and sometimes just blowing up the guys that are trying to pull, like literally just knocking them off route. So they, they you know, this goes back to the whole thing. They had seen USC once already during the season. This was the second time, and that defense sort of dialed it in. Now, I know there's people right now in the chat flipping out saying, dude, Caleb Williams – was hurt, he had a sore hamstring, he was pulled, it was torn, he had one leg, you know, that was the key difference. It's definitely a big difference because I've also been the person pounding the table on, you've got to keep the backside of the defense honest by having a running quarterback, and Caleb Williams is not a running quarterback in that game. So it's going to be very interesting to see if he plays in the bowl game. If he doesn't play in the bowl game, how does Lincoln Riley uh, scheme and how does he set up the playbook and the plays it's script with Miller Moss, who is not a running quarterback. Um, that's going to change the running game a lot because the backside of the defense is probably not going to um, 
they're, they're not going to stay honest on that backside. They're going to collapse on the backside of the run a lot because Miller Moss is just not going to be a threat to be able to, you know, gouge him for 30 yards, 40 yards, or what have you, or even 10 yards maybe. I mean, I think I think Miller has shown that he can get, you know, third and six. He could, if you're not going to play that uh, sincerely and you're not going to play it straight up um, and you're just going to collapse on that backside, he'll keep it. He can run for th- six yards. But he's not going to be a guy that's going to, you know, run down the field and, like, make these sort of, like, field-flipping plays like Caleb Williams can do. And that, you know, sort of becomes a question a little bit with Malachi Nelson as well. Different quarterback. He is athletic enough to make some plays, but he's not necessarily a running quarterback. And when we get into 2024, and I'm now just completely shifting away from offensive line, which I wanted to talk about, but I will talk a, a little bit about quarterback and Elijah Brown. That's more of a pocket quarterback, right? So, and since before you jump into that, I just want to say Money Mitchell donated uh, $10 asking Dylan Rayola or Elijah Brown. Yeah, interesting. And I know we're going to talk about because Rayola I mean, did decommit. And he did decommit. Decommitted from Ohio State, number one rated quarterback in the 2024 class. Number one overall player, I think. Like 6'2", 225, a big boy, but not really mobile. Not a guy that you would say is a dual-threat quarterback necessarily. And I've been sort of critical of that move to go after guys that don't have that element to be able to run the ball. So, uh, you know, Elijah Brown does run the ball some. They do do a little bit of that. He has some rushing touchdowns for modern day. But he's not a scrambling type of runner. He's not Caleb Williams. He's not Jalen Hurts. He's not Kyler Murray. And he's really not Baker Mayfield either. And people have said, you know, Baker Mayfield wasn't a really a running quarterback either. They didn't run in that Oklahoma offense uh, Baker Mayfield like they run Caleb Williams or they ran Jalen Hurts. And I say, yes, that's true. But they now are at a point where we've seen what a running quarterback looks like and what the running game looks like when you have that threat to do that. Uh, at least Baker Mayfield was definitely a scrambling quarterback. I just think that's the formula. I I don't know if you get away from that if you're Lincoln Riley. I, I think you want to stick with that. And with Dylan Rule, I'm like, yeah, you know what? I don't know if I follow up with that one. I, I think that Interesting. I still I still look at DJ Lagway as the best fit for that offense. In terms of what has worked for Lincoln Riley and, and what has been prolific for him, right? He, he you know, I'm sure that he is good enough as a coordinator and a play caller and, and a developer. I think where Lincoln Riley really impresses me is his play design as well as being a play caller. I mean, he mixes up the plays well. I think USC again was a little pass happy last season. But the play design is really good. And the execution of those plays is so far superior than what we've seen at USC in I don't know how long. Like, you got to go back to, like, Norm Chow days. Maybe there's some Lane Kiffin stuff in there that was like, okay, that's pretty impressive. But, man, the design of these plays and the execution of the plays, the guys are understanding what they're supposed to do. It's done so, so well. But I'm still a big fan of having that quarterback that is legitimately – maybe runs the ball a handful of times a game by design. It's like, listen, look for this, right? Okay, on this mesh read, you got to look for this, okay? We're going to run this. You got to look to run here. Like, this is going to be part of the game plan. So I'm a big fan of that. I'm also a big fan, though, again, running the ball in general, the downhill running game that USC showed against Notre Dame, and the fact that what you have coming down the line in the recruiting trail are some big just some nasty run-blocking type of linemen, some some really good interior guys. Not a lot of 
really good looking uh, edge guys yet. Not not a lot of le- like left tackle types that we've seen necessarily. But you know, if you're looking at the NFL draft, a lot of the guys getting drafted in the NFL are, are three star guys that played volleyball or basketball, and they're 260 pounds at six six coming out of high school, right? They were they were Tobias Raymond, you know, the the, the commit that they got out of Ventura. They they're guys that are not rated really high, but they're multiple sport athlete guys. So when we say left tackle franchise guy, maybe we don't see that guy coming out of the gates. Maybe he is Tobias Raymond. So, you know, we can't get ahead of ourselves with that. But I can tell you, DeAndre Carter and Brandon, uh, Brandon Baxter, Brandon Baker. Baker. I always want to say Brandon Baxter. I don't know why. Brandon Baker are, are two guys that are, are just, I mean, you look at modern day last year and the great team that they had, the run game that they had, that's just sort of power. We're going to, we're going to run right at you. Those type of guys are available. And that, 2024 class in general has like a handful of those guys that USC is going to be able to get, whether it's locally or regionally. And I think those are the two guys that obviously pop up at the top of the list. And so that's what excites me when you think, okay, 2024, you're going to the big 10 or the big 10 national, whatever they're going to call it conference. And you have, uh, let's say it's Malachi Nelson is going to be your starting quarterback, redshirt freshman. You got to depend on the running game and you got those two running backs. Quentin Joyner and Amarian Peterson, who are both big, both 200-pound-plus guys, right? Um, they, they, that could be a nasty physical offense. Like, I love just thinking, you know, Malachi Nelson not having to, you know, do what you know, Caleb Williams is having to do this season. You don't want to expect that of him for your offense to be to be good. Um, you know, play action and, and protecting him and running the ball because running the ball is going to be what's going to protect him the most. So I, I really like, you know, just the offensive line and potentially what it could be from a run standpoint, a very run heavy sort of offense, maybe or uh, not run heavy, but a little more run oriented than we've seen um, maybe this past season and maybe even some of those teams with Oklahoma. Uh, T.M. Uh, Cunningham, the defensive lineman from Los Alamitos, a guy that, you know, he, he's, he's definitely got some development still. But he's 6'5", 270 pounds, almost 280 pounds, uh, got a lot of length, real long arms. I mean, that's just the body that you need to have. He's here locally. He's a guy originally from Georgia. He was a five-star. He's, he's gone down a notch a little bit because he had to sit out five games uh, this past season, his junior year. Uh, we'll see if he stays in Southern California because uh, you never know. You know, he could end up going back home or what have you. But at this point in time, he's a local guy, and you got to take advantage of that. He was just up at Colorado, and, and Coach Prime was loving up uh, up and everything like that. Uh, you got to lock down big bodies like that locally. So he's going to be a big name for USC. Everybody's going to be talking about the linebacker position. Looks pretty good as well for the 2024 class. They had Dylan Williams committed. Uh, the 6'2", 215-pound linebacker at uh, Long Beach Poly High School, uh, incredibly athletic. He's just got that look. You know, you just know that's going to be a dude, right? I mean, we saw him at the uh, – you were, were you at the Edison? Yeah, yeah, we, you, the Edison yep. tournament. And you were just watching him. And, and JP Five Star, you know, this is a good uh, – uh, A good potential uh, – you know, where Dylan Williams gets ranked because uh, JP was filming him. And we're just watching him. <laughs> And it's like, damn, man, he just, he's like where he was, when he was committed and I'll give, you know, Dante Williams a lot of credit because he's the guy that really pushed for his commitment. When he was committed, he just kind of looked like uh, an athletic sort of lanky linebacker. But by last summer you saw he's, yeah, yeah, he's a dude. <laughs> he's a dude that, that's got a chance to play in the NFL. And so they got to get him back, right? He's, he's kind of going around, making the rounds, looking at NIL and, and all that kind of stuff. So he's um, entertaining a bunch of offers. USC's got to get him 
locked up again. It's just, you know, the way it is. You can't let those type of guys get away from Southern California. Kingston uh, Vilamu Asa, who's Chris's favorite guy to pronounce his name. Um, another guy that's coming away from an injury, but this is his first year kind of back. He's, and he, he's being a stud right yeah, now. Yeah, he's been dominant. Like, he's shown completely back from, from the injury, which is good. And then next to him is Jordan Lockhart, who's a guy that uh, – you know, thought might pull the trigger for USC. He's committed to Ole Miss still at this point, but I thought, eh, you know, he, he might be a guy we heard that uh, was really feeling USC this season. And so linebacker position is, is really good. You want to follow up at all about Kingston and, and sort of his um, his development sort of in, in the course of the mid-year and towards the later uh, part of the season? I just wanted to, yeah, jump on there quickly. I did talk to a coach at Bosco when I was there about Kingston. And, you know, when Kingston first came out, you know, the early reviews out of that out of that program were this guy has the potential to be the best uh, player that has ever come out of Bosco, at least defensively, like the best defensive player they've ever produced. And then, you know, went through the, the injury right there at the end of his uh, sophomore season or maybe his freshman season, whatever that spring year was, and really set him back, you know, had to come back from that and this year they was kind of taking the steps and when I went to see him at that the Mission Viejo game man he was like a a bullet off the edge every time he was physical he was knocking dudes around I talked to a coach today talking about how he looks back and they were like yeah he's back on track to being that guy that we thought he was going to be before he got hurt you know he's back on track to being one of the best players to come out of this program and they're going to do some more stuff with him uh, next year, I was talking, and they're they're going to use him sort of as an H back uh, next year. Kind of make them the the words that they were used is kind of their Mateo in terms of a, a two way weapon in terms of you know putting him as a defensive stud and then using him on the offensive side of the ball, which says a lot at St. John Bosco because they roll like two hundred deep. You don't yeah. need to have guys on both sides of the ball, so that kind of speaks to the talent that Kingston has, and I'm excited to see what he kind of looks like as an H back because that man hits hard, and he seeks contact. So this is a guy USC definitely needs to be on and is on right now. I, I saw you know Alex Grinch talk to him when they were at the showcase, talking to his parents and Brian Odom uh, recruiting him hard. So USC is definitely making him a priority. What do you think he's running about, like 6'2", 220 right now? Yeah, I would say 6'2", firm 6'2". If he goes another inch, definitely going to be you know looking a little bitter. But uh, 6'2", definitely... Two two twenty two two twenty five. He doesn't look like super heavy. Yeah, uh, kind of lean, but definitely you know packs a punch when he hits. Defensive back. I mean, you could stay at Bosco and then just go over to Modern Day. I mean, that's kind of where the <laughs> next two years with all the defensive backs uh, that have been underclassmen that they're going to start being recruited. Xavier Brown is a guy that has an offer from USC's. Kind of the number one guy for modern day. I mean, if you talk to modern day coaches, that's the guy that they really like the most. Uh, we took, I think we had two different games where we did ISO film and they just didn't throw at him enough to put anything up. Like we literally just had stretching and some warm up stuff. And then, you know, him just out on the island, not really doing a whole lot. Um, Marcel Williams, Marcellus Williams, uh, the brother of Max Williams is, is a guy that, um, you know, big time player that USC has to. Uh, lock in uh, Dakota Fields is a guy that you know it's gonna he's gonna flirt with Oregon a bunch you know he went up there with Oregon and, and liked Oregon a lot I think initially and then uh, he camped at USC and I think he kind of vibed with USC 
a lot more at that invite camp, and that was like where USC made a big move for him. And he's he's a very interesting prospect because you know he's like six three. He's one of those legitimate six three kind of guys. He's he's the kind of guy that on signing day you might give a what like a ninety nine percent forecast rate for. Uh, like uh, one Devin Kirkland. Uh, oh, no. <laughs> you didn't know where I was going with that. I was looking over. See, what's nice is I can actually see him when I'm in the studio, and I can kind of see he was get dig- literally he was, blindsided. Like, like literally, because he's like he's like sideways to me, so I just I hit him with that one. But, um, yeah, he's, he's a unique sort of cornerback. And, uh, you earhold me. A, a guy with, uh, with that kind of height. And, obviously, Peyton Woodard, we already talked about a little bit, um, being the number one safety. And I just think, you know, defensive back locally – you're always going to be able to find guys. Mm-hmm. Like that's one position where you can wait on the process, and some dude is going to pop up, and you're going to be like, ah, I think this guy can play for us. And uh, we always see plenty, plenty of Christian Roland Wallace's. There you go. Um, Jason Mitchell's another guy that the 2024 class. He wants to play. He wants to play offense, and and we I don't. Guess he's not reclassified. Yeah, I, I didn't think so, but. Um, he wants to play offense, and USC's playing. It really kind of recruiting him more on defense. Dante Williams is his lead recruiter, his primary recruiter, and I think that had a lot to do with it. Bless you. Um, but me. Uh, you. I mean, I think Jason wants to play receiver. I think that's kind of sort of what he wants to play, and I think USC's in a good position if they have um, a, a plan for him there. Six uh, four, two hundred pounds ish. Uh, that's, you know, he's been playing a lot of quarterback kind of for the team. That's not the position he's going to play in college. And it was a tough run for, for Sarah with just him there. But, you know, when they got that little sophomore in there, they started to kind of turn the corner and allow Jason to play uh, more wide receiver. And I think that's, you know, hopefully for the future, next year we get to see him play that position and, and really kind of show out uh, as, a, uh, as, a, as, as a wide receiver. And then, again, athlete, you know, in, in USC technically from, from – what we've been told lately is, you know, they kind of like him more. As I, I think, I mean, originally they were talking about him playing corner, which I was like, hmm, okay, that's different. <laughs> um, so we'll see if there's there's a little bit of a pivot made there, uh, sort of like we saw with Marquise Deal, Lee Garland, uh, defensive lineman who was originally rated as an offensive lineman and recruited by USC as an offensive lineman, but then they kind of figured out this guy wants to play defensive tackle, so yeah, let's go ahead and uh, and do that and start recruiting him as a defensive tackle. Got to do that sometimes on the uh, on the recruiting trail. You got to be able to pivot, and so that's locally the names that come out of the gates that you want to you know if you want to get momentum in February March, you know you want to start getting these guys on campus. You want to get some commitment, start to build uh, the nucleus of that 2024 class. And um, and then you've got the national guys, which Chris is going to tell you all about. Well, before we jump into that, we have a couple donations that I need to hit oh. here. Uh, you know, Money Mitchell donated about, I don't know, 15 minutes ago. So, you know, Moneybags Manford had to come back hard. <laughs> so he dropped another $10. Uh, these are just quick questions for us. They're off topic of what we're talking about right now. But, you know, he, he opened the 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 wallet again so i gotta i gotta give him priority here so how fast is zach branch would he be the fastest player on the team um if 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 robert pleasant doesn't uh you know commit to usc he'd be uh i think the fastest time he has is yeah like a 10 Ooh, it was 10 3 i don't know if it's a 10 3 3 or it was a 10 3 2 but it was low um is, is there anybody else on the team? Chris, uh, the kid from San Diego, uh, Christian. Um, why am I blinking on his last name? 
the running back from San Diego is not on the team anymore. Keenan Christian. Keenan Christian. Uh, Relique isn't track fast. No, no, no. Relique's fast. Quick. But, he's quick. But but um, Mario's not. Yeah, I mean, he. Yeah, I mean, I think from a track standpoint, nobody comes to mind that. Well, oh, wait, Damani Jackson. Damani Jackson. Damani beats him because Damani's got like a 10 2. Right? Yeah, yeah. Jeez, I almost forgot about Damani. <laughs> Um, you, that's the, you just do that though. You like, you not like with recruiting. It's li- I, I've, what did I compare to uh, that? The episode of Mary with children where Kelly Bundy has to learn all this sports trivia and she like <laughs> learns all this sports trivia and, and Al Bundy's telling all this sports trivia. And she's like amazing. She like knows everything about every single NFL team, uh, MLB. And then she like forgets how to tie her shoes. Right, it's like you, you have this information that you cram in for one year, and then once those players are gone and they've committed, it's like all the what numbers, a, the heights, yeah. the weights. You just, yeah. you just forget. Yeah. And about. now we have like portal guys, and you know, having to know guys like from Tulsa is like uh, okay. So yeah, Damani Jackson though is is still um, the fastest guy because you know we were talking about like Keeney Christian. You got Damani Jackson, and then you get. Uh, you know, Roderick Pleasant and then Nick, uh, Nicholas Harbour. It's like you could have legitimately like the best four by 100 team with some like elite guys, like some elite times. Like Roderick is insane, really uh, elite. And uh, Nick Harbour is insane, elite uh, from that standpoint. But Zach didn't run tr- uh, track this, mm-hmm. this past year. His dad wasn't involved with the track team, so he didn't decide to run track. He just wanted to focus on training on football. Uh, Big T37 says, feel bad for Gerard Martinez. Has to drive all the way from the Inland Empire. Thank yes. you for the commitment. So thank you for the say, empathy. Thank you. Thank you for the empathy. <laughs> and then Moneybags Manfred dropped another $10 dono on top of the one he already did. How good is Malachi Nelson? Would he start over Moss? Oh, well, I mean, n- not tomorrow because Moss you know, knows the system. Right. Um, but, like, if Moss stays on the team. Could he win the backup job, I guess is. Uh... Next season, he could. Yeah, he could. He, he's a lot of people really dogged Malachi Nelson towards the end of the year because they saw the, the the modern day game or they saw the American Heritage game, right? Against two teams that are like national powerhouses, and Los Al is just not there yet. They're not there on the offensive line, and Malachi didn't have particularly great games in either of those games. Uh, but Malachi is, um, he's got a lot of that sort of uh, that Patrick Mahomes is. To him, and people want to say, "Oh, Caleb Williams, Patrick Mahomes." Caleb Williams is actually more physical, uh, a, more of a physical specimen than, than Patrick Mahomes. Patrick Mahomes is a, is a bit more skilled. He's a quarterback, quarterback, right? Um, Caleb is like looks like a running back almost. I mean, he's kind of different animal from that standpoint. I would actually say that Malachi is a bit more of that skilled, crafty sort of uh, sneaky, really good in how he can change the, the angles of his throws, uh, change velocities. He has a real repertoire in terms of how he throws the football. Um, does he have the arm strength? I don't know. I don't know if I would say he's Mahomes level arm strength wise, but he's got a lot going on and he is a guy that can move around in the pocket. Um, he's not the runner again that Caleb is, but neither is Patrick Mahomes either. Um, Against Miller Moss, I mean, Miller Moss is a quarterback that, quite frankly, we have not seen Lincoln Riley win games with yet. I, I don't compare him to, to Baxter Mayfield. He's not Baker Mayfield. He's not the same guy. Like, Baker Mayfield could scramble 
and, and do things. Miller's not that guy. It's, it, it's just not his way. He's going to get the ball out of his hands quick. He's going to know the offense extremely well. He's a you know more of a pro pocket passer. And I mean, I I I, I borderline kind of am looking forward to seeing him play against Tulane. Uh, I know everybody wants to see Caleb play. They they wish he could play. And USC is going to have a much better chance of winning that game, a game which they could totally come in flat-footed and say, oh, you know what, we don't really want to be here. That's This is going to be one of the toughest games for Lincoln Riley to coach. He's got to get these guys ready and prepared because, I mean, you know, Tulane will come out and they'll beat you. And it's such a – it's, it's, it's a no-win game for USC, right? They, you go out there and you blow out Tulane and people go, well, you should have blown out Tulane. You go out there and play a close game against Tulane. People go, oh, man, see, USC wasn't really that good, blah, 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 blah. And you go out there and lose Tulane, and it's, it's like, oh, my gosh, you lost to, lost to a mid-major, even though it was in the, the Cotton Bowl. So it's tough. It's, it's, it's a no-win. You really got to motivate your players. You got to get these guys focused in. Um, you can't just come out there and play flat. And if, if Caleb Williams can't play in the game, it's going to change the offense significantly. It's just, it's going to be a different offense. You got to think about that and how you run the ball. You can't have these slow developing run plays because they're just going to do what Utah did and they're just going to attack those plays. They're just going to go right after those plays. And so, yeah, that's going to be very interesting to see Miller Moss. To answer your question, I think definitely uh, down the line, um, I'm, I'm, I don't know. I'm a little bit on the fence, like initially though, because again, I, I don't want to short Miller Moss, who was a really good player in high school in his own right and um, incredibly smart and just has – he has a lot of tools. But, again, they're not necessarily the tools that, that Lincoln Riley has used to to win games. We had a $10 donation from Roland L. who dropped the 50 dono earlier. Yeah. Three, hashtag three-hour crew. Keep it going. Oh, yeah, on you, Chris. We're over the 305. Yeah, guys have already started – uh, putting in the hashtag three hour crew. So if you've been here from the start, thank you a, very give much. Give me a three hour crew. We're at three mi- three thank hours and six much. minutes. How you feeling, Jordan? I'm feeling fine. He's he's going. He's I don't, we're not really stopping anytime soon. We still got to get through these <laughs> national guys. We still got some questions. I know people are want to get to the question portion. We haven't even touched on that. Uh, so let's jump back into the national guys as you were setting me up for before <laughs> I had to get to those donos, but. You know, the big one right now I'm looking at is those front guys, those guys up in the trenches. And yep. these are guys that, you know, like two hours ago, everyone was complaining about the front seven. Well, there's a stack group nationally that USC is in, including, you know, the local guys, as you just mentioned. You know, defensive tackle Justin Scott out of Illinois took a visit for that Notre Dame game. Great atmosphere. Great win for him to be in front of. Traction visit. Traction visit, as yep. we called it in the in the show at that time. Uh, defensive end Elijah Rushing out of Arizona, the number one edge rusher in the class at 2024. I believe he is a five star uh, prospect. You have King Joseph Edwards, who is he, an athlete, but athlete. I think you could throw in there as a you know six four, 235 ish uh, pound guy. He, he could maybe play tight end, and I know um, he, he's a kid that just um, I think he loves scoring touchdowns, but. Ceiling wise, yeah, defense might be where uh, he's better off, and he's probably going to take an unofficial visit to USC here in January. We also have Jackson Jones, who I believe also took an official unofficial visit yep. uh, during that Notre Dame game. Washington commit, I believe uh, he is currently at, but USC showing some interest. You have Texas offensive lineman Michael Uwe. 
Did I say that right? I think it's Ului. 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 Uh, big six foot seven, eight, I believe. I saw him at the Notre Dame game as well. He's a big boy. Copper's Cove. He looks legit. Yeah. Passes the eye test for sure. That's a guy who, as I mentioned in my ghost notes at the time, looked like he was having a really good time. Uh, there with his younger brother, I believe. Yeah, but he went there, I think, straight to, was it Texas? or T- Yeah, I think he went to Texas for the TCU game. So that, mm. you know, those the elite Texas offensive linemen are going to be tough to get out of the state. Uh, again, you don't want to, like, pin all your hopes on out-of-state guys. It's probably the one negative in, you know, like, you know, excited about Justin Scott out of Chicago. I think with him being from Chicago, big city kid, I think there is, you know, a little more of a – an angle there, you know, then maybe going down south and you're going and getting some guy from rural place that, you know, first time on a plane uh, likes bass fishing. You're like, that's not, you know, that's not really <laughs> going to work uh, at USC. But I think Justin Scott. And the L.A. River? I'm sure there's something. 6'5", <laughs> 310. You'll find something. You'll find um, something. 6'5", 310 for Justin Scott. I mean, a legitimate big, big boy big and, and, uh, and definitely a big sign defensive tackle. But they are national guys. You got you to gotta go out there and get them. Uh, which is uh, which is why you know even though T A Cunningham, you know a little bit of maybe the shine is off of him because he didn't have that great dominant year uh, this past year, still a big body and I think a guy that you you really want to get. Someone said this is still live. LOL, crying emoji. It's, it's we're still, still we're still this is a warm up for a, an eventual twenty four hour uh, show one day maybe. We made we're we're up to like close to. Five hundred dollars in donations. Imagine if we did a twenty-four hour drug. We could retire. We could. We could retire. <laughs> Both of us. Let's do it. How how many dollars would we be making an hour at that point? I, yeah, I don't know. <laughs> Does this you you talked about t- making the podcast premium again? Does this count as a premium if they're paying us? Yeah. This this definitely counts as a premium. Sounds podcast. like we need to like maybe raise the subscription rate. Mm. <laughs> He's mumbling over. People there. are throwing twenty dollar bills around like they're tumble hundred dollar bills at us. Uh, offensive lineman Devin Brooks, who I also have on there. Should we also consider the Washington kid, whose name I'm blanking on right now? You're talking about uh, uh, guard. Oh uh, yeah 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 Andreas um, Andreas Awafu. Afua, Afua, I think it's Afua. I think he should be considered in that as well. Yeah, national guy um, has has not been down to unofficially visit USC yet. So, you know, kind of um, interested to see if that. I'm, I'm sure that's going to happen during the spring. Uh, Asandre Afua is um, Afua. yeah six five, three hundred thirty pounds from Seattle, Washington, uh, rated the number two guard. Again, it's a good class for guards. It's more of an interior line class right now. And that, I mean, truthfully, it's like that regardless of what it looks like at face value. There's always a bunch of guys, especially early in the cycle. This guy's 6'5", and he's 310 pounds, and he's an offensive tackle. And then you go see him at a camp, and he's 6'3 and a half, and he's 285 pounds. You're like, that's a guard. So <laughs> that happens a lot. Like you, did The true offensive tackles, you don't see a lot. And as I said before, I mean, if we're looking at the NFL and the trend of the NFL, first-round picks, a lot of these dudes we don't see as franchise guys when they're coming out of high school. Um, they're 6'5", and they're you know 260 pounds, and they're playing multiple sports. They're Chad Wheeler. You know, Chad Wheeler is sort of a, a, a good example of that. I don't know if you remember Chad Wheeler, Chris, but he was from Venice High School. I do. And he was a guy that played a lot of volleyball. He was a vegan, actually, too. And so, you know, he's like 255 pounds coming out of high school. And I remember Kennedy Palomalu was like, hey, man, I mean, I love this kid. And he was like pounding the table for him. And everybody's like, 
eh, he's a volleyball player, plays at Venice. Like, what? And um, he ended up being a dude, you know? Like, they, they figured out a way to to get that uh, whey protein in him to, uh, you know, gain the pounds and um, ended up being a really good player. I mean, Tyron, Tyron Smith was not, you know, huge coming out of high school. Now, Tyron Smith also looked like a Greek god. I mean, he was 265, and he had, like, 1% body fat. So you know, I, I remember, and I think I've told this story before, I remember uh, Sweaty Watson, David Watson, who was the defensive line coach. Sweaty Watson? That was his nickname, was Sweaty. <laughs> um, uh, Sweaty Watson uh, had a, a lot of good connections in the Inland Empire. He, he recruited the Inland Empire for, for USC, and he recruited um, uh, Ronald Powell. He recruited um, Tyron Smith. He recruited uh, Vontez Perfect. And so with, with Tyron Smith, I think it was his sophomore going into his junior year, he came for one of the junior days. And, um, or, you know, no, it's not true. It, it was actually Pete Carroll went down there with Sweaty to Rancho Verde High School in Moreno Valley, and they saw Tyron Smith, and Sweaty was, like, trying to sell him. And Pete was like, what is he going to play, defensive end? He's not, he's, like, he's not very fast. So Pete was kind of like, eh, I'm going to balk, right? And they didn't offer him then. And he already had, like, a bunch of offers. So Sweaty's like, oh, dang. So he comes back up for the junior day. And he gained, like, I don't know, maybe 10, 15 pounds. And he was only still, like, 260, 265. And he shook Pete Carroll's, Pete Carroll's hand at the basketball game. And Pete was like, who in the hell is this dude? Like, is this, are we got are we offering this guy? Are we offering this guy? Because his hand just, like, you know, enveloped Engulfed, his yeah. whole hand, his whole arm. And, and it was, like, it was just funny. It's like, you know, Watson's, like, yeah, this is that kid. We went to see him in January. We saw him, and you didn't like him. That was a defensive end, but he was too slow, blah, blah, blah. So, I mean, there's a good example. And, and the funny thing is, is uh, you know, tr- nutrition program, um, conditioning, weight program. Tyron Smith did have trouble gaining weight at USC. He ended up being about like 285, 290 maybe. But you see when he gets ready to go to the NFL, I mean, the guy's 310, right? And he's a pro bowler. So, yeah, I mean, you definitely can find those guys, and they're not all going to be – 310, 66 coming out of high school. You know, they might be 65, 265, and you do have to project on the West Coast. And that's very, very important in terms of the building of your staff. If you're on West Coast, you got you gotta have patience in certain uh, positions. I, I remember when Ryan and I went down last February and we got our first opportunity to talk to the assistant coaches that have been hired, and Sean Nua came in, and one of the questions that Ryan Abraham asked was listen, there's not a lot of big guys on the West Coast like there is in Big Ten country and there is in the South. Like, where do you get them? Do you just go back to, to the Midwest and try to recruit the Midwest? And Sean Newell just stood there very confidently and said, we'll find them. We'll find them. And guess what he did? Amos Telelele, Alani Noah, they found them. Like, they exist. Those guys exist. And then there's those guys that will exist that you get. And, and maybe Tobias Raymond is one of those guys that, again, everybody's kind of sleeping on, but – you can build up and and end up being 300 pounds uh, a couple years in the program and, and be a first round pick. I have a couple more donos to, to throw in here. Uh, I just want to say Law Dog Patterson just just threw 20 bucks at us and put us over the $500 mark. <laughs> thank on you, this. Law Dog. Thank you, Law Dog. And then we had a $5 uh, donation from John. John, who thank you. Had a quick question. Better college career, Mateo or David Peavy? <laughs> <laughs> David Peavy or Mateo? We haven't even talked about David Peavy. We David Peavy signed, but he's not going to be an early entrant. He's mm-hmm. not a mid-year graduate. 
Um, uh, we could just be <laughs> so easy. It's just going to sound like sour grapes to be like, oh, Mateo is not going to be good in college or what have you. I, I like David Peavy. I, I don't. I don't. I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. I don't. I, I know what I want to say, but it's just going to sound bad, and we just don't need to be that. Uh, we're going to sound like homers, man. We're just going to be like, oh, yeah, everybody's better than Mateo. But the thing is, they're different players. They're not the same player. I don't think Mateo and Galilei should be playing on the edge, and that's another problem. Like, that goes back to the whole I want to play tight end thing. Like, I think it's going to be you're going to have to convince him to play inside, and I don't think he's going to want to. Because in my opinion, his best days are like two ninety playing three technique, that not not being a five technique, not not hanging around on the edge. So um, David PV is an edge player, right? So he's he's going to play the edge. He, he's a guy, um, not the same as Shelby. He's very good. He's a little more north and south. He's a little more getting upfield. He's a little more of like a, a defensive lineman in that regard. He did play safety as a freshman. And he was a guy that, you know, was a skill player early on in his career, and he just kept gaining the weight. So he does have a little bit of that pedigree of being a skill player to play off the line of scrimmage. Again, if if I'm looking at it as a re- from a replacement standpoint or an upgrade standpoint, I would say, you know, Shelby, weak side, just because he can play in space so well, even though he might end up being a little bigger than PV, but PV I actually put more on the Nick Figueroa side where, you know, maybe occasionally he actually just put his hand down on the ground. Uh, Gerard, yeah. big update. Got another $100 donation. Oh, my gosh. Oscar uh, Batista. Oscar. Batista. Muchas gracias, senor. Cilantro boy coming out. <laughs> Gave us a fight on. Didn't have a question. Just threw us $100. Wow. Thank so, you. So thank you so much. That's our second $100 donation tonight. Thankful for what if you donate $100 or a dollar or $2. 99 cents. Nine nine cents. If you're not matter. rich, doesn't matter. <laughs> We're still thankful. We're, We're thankful for you guys that haven't even donated under just here. Yeah, and participating. Staying with us over three hours strong. We also got a twenty dollar donation from Roland L, who's low key. Roland just rolling. Pro- Roland just rolling. <laughs> uh, twenty dollars from Roland. Thanks for mentioning Tyron Smith, left tackle, future Hall of Famer. Go yeah. Cowboys! Fight on! I am also oh. a Cowboys fan. Rolling, so I love it. Let me tell you. How about my, them boys? My dad my dad Not the any- Jacksonville game though. Yeah, I know. <laughs> my dad anymore with NFL football, the loudest cheers are for Scheidenfreuden when the Cowboys are playing. He he dislikes Jerry Jones so much that he actually like he, che- he cheers louder against the Cowboys than I think he cheers for the Rams. It's just funny. It's sh- total Scheidenfreuden. Scheidenfreuden was that? Scheidenfreuden. It's when you when you uh, take more pleasure in uh, the, the the loss, the, the, the pain of others, the negative of others mm. than yeah, than the, the positive of something happening. It's a German phrase. Germans are great at like zeitgeist, like like things that are like you have to explain in English. They have like words for. It. <laughs> Someone said the donations are all in pesos, <laughs> which you know what well, that's that's fine. I, that converts that's to like cool. uh, four bucks, seven dollars. Awesome. It's fine. It's fine. Uh, okay, well, let's keep it back to rolling because we didn't even get through our running backs. Uh, we have Taylor Tatum, yep. Jason Brown, Jace, James Peoples, who I believe USC just offered yeah, out of the San Antonio area. You also have Jeremiah Smith, who, yes, is committed to Ohio State, number one wide receiver. Quarterless, quarterbackless Ohio State because, you know, quarterbackless they had Ohio that uh, 2024 uh, Dylan Riola. So, you know, maybe maybe he's back on the table. Um, 
I would not be surprised. I mean, I, I know Jeremiah Smith is going to be back out here for at least an unofficial visit. He might be out here for an official visit. So that was an early commitment. Hey, uh, Brian Hartline is, is a stud recruiter. Got to you know? say it. Um, it is what it is. Like he gets his guys. You T. Martin. You got Brian Hartline. Um, but USC, I think, is still going to they'll, – they'll be in that to some extent. They'll be relevant. If they continue to play the way that they played offensively, they're going to be relevant in that recruitment. Um, yeah, you got to get a quarterback for the 2024 class. I think that's going to help them. Um, but you kind of you know glossed over the running back position. Taylor Tatum from Longview, he did unofficially visit USC. I think he mm-hmm. was in for one of those games. I don't know if it was ASU or Notre Dame, um, but he was in. I think it was ASU. ASU, yeah, and he was uh, in town. Um, Jalen Hale was another uh, Longview kid. Uh, the wide receiver took an official visit to USC uh, over the summer. USC never really had a shot at him. Um, I don't know about Tatum, uh, but it seems like Kyle McDonald, like, he wants to go to Texas for running backs. You know, low-key, California running backs, somebody step up. Somebody step up. <laughs> he got two good ones, though. I mean, you can't – I tell you that, yeah. again, it's one of those things that's like you like to see – going after a guy and you watch your film and you're like, USC offered this guy, was one of the first to offer this guy, and you watch his film and you go, that kid's good. Like, I, I mean, he's a three-star, he's a low four-star, but he's a good player. And that's exactly what we kind of saw uh, from both Quentin Joyner and Amiri Peterson. Amiri Peterson, for sure. Like I, I still, I think Amiri Peterson's uh, competition level is is a bit lower. So I think that's why people are, are not really sure. But I mean, this dude's like hurdling people and all kinds of crazy stuff, and he's like a legit six one six two. He's a big dude. It's like, man, um, yeah. And and but the rankings kind of followed. The rankings sort of went over, and 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 the more film that he had out there. The better the rankings. So I mean, that's, props to the evaluation. That's yeah, yeah. Uh, we had someone. My wife is like, "Why have you been watching two guys talk for over three hours?" <laughs> I wish I knew the answers to that. What was the question where we started in about Thanksgiving decorations, and then somebody had the podcast on the back in the back room, and their wife came in. He was like, "Are you listening to a holiday <laughs> podcast?" Yes, it's We're uh, about do you know from Thanksgiving. Sh- no, was it? Yeah, it's, is it Halloween straight into Christmas, yes. or do you actually do you put out Thanksgiving, Thanksgiving. decorations? You got to yeah. put out the cornucopia. Yeah. Was that? Yeah, that's right. That's yep. right. Yeah. Uh, we also had a Chris make sure all the equipment is charged and ready for hour five. Uh, Nostradamus has got to run. Have a safe, joyful, blessed Christmas, y'all. Thanks for staying in. And then Sagar Sager says Chris could swim for five hours straight. This is a cakewalk. Yep. We still have uh do we have like a Caleb Williams swim story coming at some point? I thought you teased that I, somewhere. I, I told it on the pair style, but oh, I could okay. I could do it for composite. I haven't done it for composite. I haven't heard it. Amarian Peterson, any relation to Adrian Peterson? <laughs> no. Uh no. Not no. to our knowledge. No. Not to our Granted, knowledge. Granted, uh, we don't know anything about him. Yeah, no. we haven't actually spoken to him directly ever. <laughs> it's like I mean there's there is some I mean, there is the Peter McBride of uh, you know. The Peter recruiting McBride? process, yeah. Peter McBride, the uh, the long snapper who never ah uh, yes 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 I never hit me back, and I was like, that's when it hit me like, wow, change the recruiting is changing when the long snappers are not going to call you back. It's like it's oh. it's rough out there. Yeah, it's rough out there. Well, we already talked about quarterback a little bit, but anything you need to, to add, add there? No, not really. Yeah. I think I think you got to stay on Lagway. Who knows what Florida looks like last season? I mean, look at. Dylan Riola decommitted from Ohio State. Ohio State is in the playoff. Like, what happened there? Who knows? We don't know. Um, but 
that could happen in Florida very easily. You know, they have a bad anyone. season. Yeah, and and you got a Heisman Trophy winning quarterback, and you know USC is going to have a target on their backs, and people are going to figure out the offense to some extent. There's going to have to be some evolution there for Lincoln Riley, but I mean, he has been a freaking quarterback whisperer, like it's ridiculous, and so. You know, DJ Lagway made that commitment and everybody was like, that's one of those things of like checking the boxes. And you're like, USC checks all the boxes, but we know he's probably not going to USC. And um, but that might change. That could very well change. You know, I have a twenty dollar donation from Blaze. Blaze. Uh, My wife, Elvira, loves your show. Fight on. Thank you very much. Thank you, Elvira. I also have a $10 donation back again from John, who says, what does USC have to do differently with NIL to compete with the Ducks, A&M, Miami, and so on? I kind of, I think that plays into... Great segue, John. To NIL for, I guess, strategy for 2024 class and then moving forward. What do you do? (laughs) What do you do? Do you, you know, do you... Do you play with the market? Listen, there's been a lot of talk that there is some push to change the strategy. You know, with Boulevard, uh, who's running things, there's, there's there's obviously, there's a lot of chatter. And it's not just angry fans, guys. It's it's people that are actually involved. People with money. Yeah, people it's money with bags, money. Uh, it's money bags <laughs> uh, in here. And, and so, you know, I think there's probably going to be some changes and some differences. Um I don't want to speculate too much on what, uh, because you know certainly there's recruiting to be done now with the strategy that USC has, and so I don't want to you know crap on it or or and and there's like I said I I understand it I think it was a smart idea, but you know is it effective in the current the the current state of things um, landscape? Yeah, it, it's. It just seems like maybe it's moving too slow for USC. I, I just don't know. I, and there's there's a lot of finger pointing as well, you know, in terms of like, does USC have the people that are that have the money that are willing to put the money there for for recruiting, you know? And I think one thing I can say, at least in my lifetime, is that USC money people, right? Not the folks in, in chat, obviously. We're <laughs> talking about like, you know, the, the multi-million money dollar... Mitchell. <laughs> they hey, could, money bags be. I know. could be they could a millionaire. Be. I, I, he's dropping. I know. like he is. So Tim Tesselon's going to cruise through here looking for one hundred dollar donors. S- someone uh, made a Tim Tesselon. Oh, they already did for yeah. the two dollar donation. <laughs> we had. Um, but, but no. In in reality, the, the the big money guys have always seemed to look for, um, and gals, uh, the the proven commodity, right? It, it in my lifetime, and so. That was the interesting thing about them hiring Lincoln Riley. It's like they never put that kind of money out there uh, for for anybody. And you could say, well, Lincoln Riley is a proven commodity, right? He won uh, at least Big 12 championships at Oklahoma. He got into the college football playoff. True, true, true. But there's still a sort of um, how does that work at USC? There's still a a little bit of a question there in terms of the, the projection. And they've tend to go, you know, with the Pete Carrolls and the guys that are just sort of like lesser down the rung. And and if Pete Carroll goes and he starts to prove that he can win at USC, they made him the highest paid coach in college football, right? So I feel like with the process, they may right now have more money for transfers and for guys that are potentially like Jordan Addison 
and getting those type of guys rather than going and getting that guy at the high school level. And and that has to be balanced out a little bit. And I just don't know if it's going to be. The other thing is sort of the middleman sort of approach of you know the proxy of, okay, we're going to give our money to this other organization, and then they're going to get the money to the recruits and to the players. Um, I just – maybe those guys that have that type of money are like, I'm going to – Get that money to who? If I could get that money directly to what I want to, then that's how I'm going to do it. I'm not going to write a check and give it to somebody to give it to somebody, sort of thing, because that's what is going on a lot with most of these collectives. But listen, there's a lot of other schools that are right now not happy with their collectives because the 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 perception out there is that you know bags are just being thrown out directly, and people are like, you don't have to really do an endorsement, you don't have to do any commercials, just sign with us, and we'll give you you know, $15 million, or whatever crazy numbers that are out there, and, and so Ohio State is not happy with their NIL, you know, because they lost a couple guys, and there's a bunch of, a bunch of schools like that, so, you know, we have to see if, you know, college football and the NCAA, from a regulation and enforcement standpoint, catches up to all of this or is it just you know what we can't really do a whole lot about it and then you're going to see some transformation and some evolution from schools that say okay well look at this is this is how it's being enforced this is how it's evolved and this this is the this is the way this is the future sort of thing we just don't know but i mean i think from a from a strategy standpoint if you're if you're looking at all things equal you want to have a core class uh, coming out of the summer probably of at least six or seven guys and get more early commits if you're USC. And then when you're going into the summer, the big difference between the summer, this next cycle for 2024 and the cycle that we just had is now USC has the, as Lincoln Riley has said, proof of concept, okay? You have that on offense and you have that on defense, better for worse. You have some great statistics defensively that you can sell. You have a turnover margin. You have sacks. You have Tuli uh, Polotu. You have uh, a, a good number of interceptions and turnovers just in general, and that's exciting for recruits. They want to be in there. They want to get you know uh, touchdowns returned um, on interceptions. They want to have fumble recoveries. They want to have sex. They want to do that type of stuff. And USC had a lot of high highlight reel type stuff. So that combined with just the pro prolificness of the offense that you saw last year, you actually have that to be able to show recruits, and you don't have to bring in guys and have them just have faith in, hey, you know, I'm Lincoln Riley, I did it at Oklahoma, I'm going to do it at USC. So I think that in itself will springboard the class a lot more before we get into the season than it was. And I think they will be able to have a better idea of what it takes to recruit at USC, uh, what the strong points are, what the weak points are. So Annie Hansen and the coaching staff have a better idea of like, okay, this really worked. Eh, this didn't work as well as we thought it was going to work. Hey, we could do this here that we didn't do last time. So there'd be more of that. There's more of familiarity, I guess, with just USC and what it has to sell and what it has to offer and maybe any p potential shortcomings that are there. So I think you can be a much more aggressive with the strategy. So that's why I think you try to get this nucleus of, uh, of, of, of you know, like seven – eight guys maybe even going into the summer, and you probably have less traction recruits going into the summer, less guys like Anthony Hill that are just kind of like, okay, we're trying to get our foot in the door with this dude. You know, he wants to take a visit to L.A. We're way behind in his recruitment, but maybe we can find an angle and make an impact. You're going to have less of those guys. You're going to have more guys 
that come in and you already have an angle for and you have a, a better read for. So, again, I think from strategy-wise, I think you're going to see more of the class committed earlier, um, and, 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 you, and you're probably going to be able to push for that. The only question is, again, I, I think what helps that is a quarterback. If you got a quarterback committed like Malachi Nelson or a guy that's going to help you recruit, that does get it along. And that could be an argument for, hey, go get Elijah Brown committed early. Like, go, you know, maybe he's not exactly the fit that DJ Lagway would be with what's USC doing now, but he's a winner and he's local and he should help you commit or get commits from not only modern day, but just locally. And you can build that class and you can really build a lot of chemistry uh, within that class. And that really helps keep guys together because you're going to have a lot of NIL. You're going to have a lot of stuff go on during the season. And at this point next year, you're, if you've had a good class, you're going to have a lot of teams trying to pick off that class with NIL. You're going to have a lot of the guys that are like those mid-level four-star guys that are a four-star guy for a USC fan, but would be the biggest guy in the class for Louisville or somebody else. And those are the guys you're going to have to try to protect. Uh, we have some people coming at our cilantro boyness as uh, per usual. Uh, I got an angry text from my very real girlfriend Uh-oh. that I I pronounced the name Blaze's wife's name wrong. Dang. Uh, El, Elvira. I thought that's what I said. If, Blaze, I'm sorry if you're still listening. I'm, Elvira I, or Elvira? Because there is an Elvira. Elvi- Elvira. Elvira. She I says don't know. I'm not reading it. Elvira. So I can't. So, Blaze, let me know if I screwed that up. I apologize. Uh, then someone said, uh, before we did, where are the guys from before the Fire? And then someone uh, tweeted or uh, message out, these guys don't speak Spanish. They don't know what El Fiera means, LOL. Dang. Dang. And then someone, Gene, a cilantro boy, uh, said, creo que Trevino y Martinez sabe español. Not, not, not good enough to do it live. Not good that. enough to do it live. Maybe we're not. We're asking. not doing a bilingual uh, podcast <laughs> today. Even though we boast ourselves, uh, we had a, a Apple review that said, "Love that's composite two star." Even though they're not real, uh, from from uh, cilantro boys because we don't speak Spanish or whatever. Oh, okay. They're just, they're just messing with us. They love the show, but they were just <laughs> speaking of which. I got a twenty dollar donation from Benny Gusta. Uh, love the show. Thank you. No, thank you, Benny. Thank you for the donation and loving uh, the show. Really uh, appreciate it. Chris, I don't think, has any pronunciations of any nationalities very well. Like, we, we roll into Samoan. We roll into <laughs> Spanish. We roll into – I think I – yeah, I said Scheidenfreuden, and that tripped him up. So Just don't ask me to pronounce anyone's name. I need a soundboard that just has pronunciations of Uengela. No, I'm not even going to – We're going to be the Bratwurst boys if I keep talking German. Oh, we're uh, <laughs> three hours and 34 minutes. We're officially the longest podcast we've ever done. Money. It means money. That's what I thought it meant because there was a money bag with it. Uh, so not by the way you pronounced it. Yeah, not by the way I pronounced it. I really uh, uh, apologize, Oscar, who, d- who gave us hundred dollars. Uh, VIP member of the Paris House since 2012. Happy to see Boom. USC back where it needs to be. Thanks, Ryan, Shotgun, Gerard, Chris. For so all he your remembers hard work. that 2012 class. Any anything you want to share from that 2012 class? Um, yes. What's the first thing you remember from the 2012 class? I remember being at the Army All-American Bowl, and that was the year, as I said before, where USC went to the Sun Bowl. And they gave the players hair hair dryers. Oh, no. As a a gift. Think about that one. uh, (laughs) That's like the only gift they got? I think so. Hair dryers? but, But anyway, so we're watching the game, 
And USC's already had, like, not a good season. But they have the number one recruiting class. They get 18 commits, Sue Cravens, Max Brown, Chris Hawkins. That was the class with Jalen Ramsey. <laughs> uh, Eddie Vanderdose, a bunch of just top guys. And it's a small class, but it's literally already the best class in the nation. And no other school is going to be able to knock them out of number one. And, and they still have Leon McQuay out there to get. And <laughs> USC is uh, down in the Sun Bowl. And I think it was like just the third quarter that started. And we'd come from practice at the Army All-American Bowl uh, in the morning. And we were coming into the war room where it's this, this big conference room. It's right next to the player lounge downstairs uh, of the high Grand Hyatt. And, you know, we're like, uh, you know, just a long practice, throwing our stuff down. And then they had the big screen. They're playing the game. And uh, Ryan's like, so, so what's the score? What's the score? And they're still down because I think he was getting scores like during during the practice or whatever. He was kind of checking in on his phone and they're still down. They're just looking so bad. And these kids are walking by and Ryan goes, oh, my gosh, he goes, you think they're going to watch the game? So I got up and I went in the players lounge. And of course, the game's on and I'm watching these dudes. And it was like right then and there. Like you were watching a class fall apart. Uh, real yeah, time. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. It was like, man, oh, this is rough. This is because. All these players are just clowning. They're calling it's calling it like Georgia Yuck and Georgia Yuck. And the and South guys are going, Man, y'all losing the Georgia Tech? How y'all gonna lose the Georgia Tech? Oh, y'all ass, y'all terrible. And, you know, these these California kids are just like shamefully like putting their heads down. Yeah, it was it was it was wild. So I remember that from the 2012 class and the class kind of, yeah, it, it basically fell apart. It would have fallen apart a lot more, but Sua and Chris Hawkins and a few of those other guys were, were mid-year <laughs> graduates. So they were like kind of stuck with it. It was like, yeah, you know what? You know, that's uh, that's the way it is. And yeah. Question from Nate. Big Leonard and Nelson Aguilar were in that class, right? Uh, no, no. That was not 2012. That was not, that was not, no, that was not 2012. Which just wasn't 2012. No. Not the class that I remember. I mean, you, uh, two, there's like the 2011, 2012, 2012, 2013, whatever. I don't know. But I think... It all blends together. I'm pretty sure SUA was like technically that was called the 2012 class. I can look it up right now as your... Uh, well, yes. We... This is the part where we do listener questions, Gerard. So. Yeah, really? I think we can get to four hours. I don't know how you're feeling right now. We're we're 20 minutes shy of that. I think we should kind of play for that. We've kind of hit on a bunch of different topics. No, it's just clueless. Sue was a class of 2013, technically. So I guess that was right. Okay. So I say, two, I mean, 2012 year, and then the class was rolling into 2013. So that's that was that sort of, you know, 2011, 2012, 2000 class of 13. Um, but it was 2012 when we were down there because, no, 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 that's not right because. It was January. That game's in January, so it was already 2013. So sorry for that confusion, but um, that was – I don't think that was the class. I'm, I'm, I'm almost 100% sure that wasn't Leonard Williams' class. Gene is beating my ass in these uh, comments right now with, with these Spanish questions. He is just taking it to me. I'm not even going to try to pronounce this one. I'll put it on the yeah, screen no. for anyone that wants to translate it for me, but I'm sure it's, it's – Kenny Bigelow, he was in that class – he was a, another mid-year, so they got him, I think, early. Yeah, there's there were so many other guys that were committed. Um, Michael Hutchings, Justin Davis was in that class. Yeah, it, it ended up actually not being a bad class with only 11 enrollees, but um, with 18 guys, like they basically lost seven guys that were all five stars and four stars. 
We have a, entered listener questions. Now, I don't remember if Ryan sent me any questions, but we have a full chat here. Over 500 people are still watching us for God knows why. <laughs> God knows why people yeah. are still watching us. It's 940. We've been here for a I still long... have to drive home, though. So He still has to drive home. <laughs> but if you have any questions that we can hit really quickly. I thought we had... Like regular, I have I have a uh, well. Get voice- those out, dude. Okay, You're like okay. okay. Well, I have a voicemail. I have a voicemail. Oh, but, voicemail. Yeah. Wait, 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 wait. Hold on now. We're live. You got to be careful. It's clear. You think it's Eddie? It's a hundred percent Eddie. Okay, all right. I would bet. All now is our- it Alec Baldwin Eddie or is it real Eddie and I uh, would bet car? all of our stream money that it's Eddie okay. from Orange. All right. So we'll go to this, and we'll see if anyone's been asking any questions. But let's – I hope they can hear. I'm, they should be able to hear as well. Hey, this question is for the Cilantro oh, no. Brothers. That might not be Eddie. Um, it doesn't sound like Eddie. Just the question. Our money. I remember our money. hearing last year from someone – uh, I think it was Gerard, and I was hoping you guys can go more detail about this. Call me Gerard. That if someone no graduated uh, with their undergrad and was in grad school, that they could be moved to financial aid – receive the same exact benefits they would receive if they were on the team, still play for the team, but not count as a scholarship headcount. If that's the case, could you see Lincoln Riley moving someone like our beloved Solo to the financial aid packet, opening up more slots for for uh, incoming freshmen and uh, transfer portal uh, people? All right. Yeah. So if that's true, uh, like I said, if you guys can elaborate that on that, that'd be great. Um, all right. Thanks. And, uh, Chris, my fave, dude, you're my fave. Eddie from Orange. Oh, it is Eddie from Orange. It did sound sound like Eddie. No, it didn't. Well, he wasn't in his car. He wasn't doing his Alec Baldwin. (laughs) I didn't shoot anybody when he said Eddie from Orange. I was like, yes, because it did not sound like Eddie. But then there were certain pockets where it was like, and he called me Gerard, and he's usually like Gmart or Gerald or something. So. The way we reacted to that, that was gold. If anyone can clip that, that was I thought his was, name was Chris at first. We, we, but then he we said, didn't lose all the money. I didn't lose all the money. It's like hitting Should have went double or nothing, man. I should have went double or nothing. I should have doubled down. Now, unfortunately, I have no idea. Uh, that's a better – that's a pair, that's a Ryan question. I don't remember the whole thing about getting financial aid and you're still on your – you're as a graduate. At that point, or was he saying you're still going through your undergrad? That was like a. I thought he said graduate. Grad- I think he actually like tailored that question to stump us on the live show because <laughs> I don't, I don't, I don't remember that instance where somebody did that. And you could still it, be I on mean, scholarship. It sounds like, or you're just getting financial aid in that. I mean, dude, it, financial it sound- aid is not enough at USC. You got to be on scholarship. At it USC. sounds like the processing thing that USC utilized this year, where you can stay in school, but you don't don't count towards the scholarship count. Like Jake Smith and like uh, okay, Jaden Williams, uh, they they stayed stayed in school, and you saw them enter the transfer portal like this month. They were still in school getting their degree, and they could stay at USC on scholarship, but they do not count towards uh, the football numbers. They don't count towards the 85, so they don't get booted out. But but that's not exactly what he's asking because he's asking if they could stay on the – and team. not count towards yeah. – Yeah. So if you, if you do that, you do not count towards the team because then it would be like all mayhem with yeah. a bunch of other players. So I think maybe that's what he's uh, – Referring to, but maybe not. 
but no, I don't think you can do that unless you're – you can only do that if you're getting quote-unquote process from the team and you're no longer part of the team, but you can stay yeah, you're and in, get your degree. Yeah, I think that's what he's saying, but he might just be stumping us for – You're in limbo. You're not going to count against it, but that would not be limbo. You'd be playing for the team, so. Right. Uh, a lot of people are uh, saying great stream. They see it's uh, coming to an end. <laughs> they see the end is nigh. Um, Moneybags Manford back again with another $10 donation. He is he is loaded. Uh, Chris, how are you going to timestamp this episode? Ah! Full disclosure, I'm not timestamping this episode. And I'll be completely honest. That. I forgot to hit record. For the audio for the first like 20 minutes. So the first 20 minutes does not exist. So I'm going to have to just add like a little disclaimer. Be like, I'm sorry, I didn't hit it. Do a quick Meredith Schlosser read and then just jump jump it in where it started. Because I did not record. I forgot. Ryan warned me. It's right here at the top. (laughs) Start Audacity when he was showing me how to. to, Sorry. So we do this. I didn't do it. I forgot. I was totally nervous about this. But yes. So there will be no timestamp. So I'm sorry. But I'm not going to uh, do this. <laughs> I'm not going to do that. <laughs> You're not going to like overdub your voice in for mine and just, you know, try to match it up uh, with uh, my lips and just kind of do you <laughs> uh, and then do yeah. me and go back and forth. I'm not, I'm not doing that. He also dropped another $10 just because he could. Uh, Moneybags Manford, I've watched this from the beginning and we will listen to the podcast on a later date. Am I crazy? Also, Hurricane, what defense should... What defense would you run if you were the DC? Uh, I, would, ah. I would run I some I kind it. of hybrid three, three, four. Like it, that. That's it's what everybody runs, but I think that's probably right now the best against the spread run and the spread RPO offenses. You know, you've got to have guys on the outside that are big enough uh, to to set the edge, but also athletic enough that they can play those lanes. You know, where you're playing against whether it's the, the screen game. Or the the mesh read, um, but I would definitely have some three hundred pounders with their hands down on the ground. Well, I, w- I would have at least one guy. No, I mean I, honestly, I would probably have two. I mean, I, I think that you do have to go get those guys that are six four six five at that three technique, and then your one shade or your zero shade's got to be a guy that's uh, going to control that center at the very least. So, yeah, um, it would be something you know similar. I I know there's a lot of people that like the three four as a more traditional. Four linebackers, because there's a lot of linebackers available in Southern California. It is a position where you do find a lot of good talent year in and year out. The problem is you don't find a lot of those, like, 6'5", 330-pound, zero-shade guys that can just control the middle of the defense, which if you're playing a, a two-gap defense, your guys have to be spacey. They're just basically just space eaters. You're not splitting the gap so much. They have to be just giant guys, and you don't find those guys out here very much. So... You know, USC was doing a little bit of that when they played like four I inside uh, with Justin Wilcox's teams. And I was like, I don't know, man, I don't I don't you're not going to find those kind of dudes out here on the West Coast very often to to really have a dominant defense. Um, so I, I tend to go more with like, you know, the old school four three unders were pretty good with Pete Carroll. You know, they ran a little cookie cutter sort of coverage. But, it, you know, Pete was like, hey, come and beat us. You know, we got the athletes come and beat us. Sort of thing, and they didn't take a lot of uh, a lot of shots. It wasn't like crazy blitzes or anything like that. They were pretty 
really pretty conservative with their defense, but they just let their athletes play. And it was all one gap with uh, the three technique was always very important for them. Um, and uh, they had, you know, really good linebackers that could clean up plays a lot. So it was, you know, disrupt with the defensive line, clean it up with the linebackers. And uh, I, you know, I've seen that work at USC. So I, I would probably having that frame of reference stick close to that, but probably I, I think, you know, a little more of the hybrid 3-4 just in terms of a personnel standpoint, have three down linemen and then one of those guys standing up a bit, which, by the way, you know, Pete Carroll kind of did at the end of his run at USC when, you know, you had Brian Cushing and you had Kaluka Maivea, you had um, Ray Maluga and Clay Matthews. You know, Clay Matthews was playing like more of a stand-up, uh, uh, you know, defensive end type spot. He wasn't necessarily having his hand on the ground all the time. Uh, I think on the other side, it was like Kyle Moore was the five technique. So, you know, they did do a little bit of that. It's not a three, four from the standpoint of like, if you were watching the Steelers back in the seventies or whatever, shout out to Ryan Abraham, big Steelers fan. It's more just in terms of like what it looks like, but you're doing a one gap and you're not playing, you know, two gap. It's, it's different, but that's just the way it would look. Um, I think, you know, the interesting evolution of defenses is just like, what do they do with that safety nickel, that spot that, you know, is going to be over the hash because you have so many teams that are running three and four wide receiver sets. You know, what, what does that player look like? Is it a bigger guy? Is it a smaller guy? Is it a safety? Is it a corner? Can you put a linebacker out there? I, I think it's really advantageous if you got a guy like uh, uh, Eric Gentry, who is just that good of an athlete that he can kind of do all those things. And I do think USC, at least right now, they they got to get bigger and more physical up front. Like we saw that from the Utah game, but we saw it all kind of through the year. Um, when Gentry went out, it, it really hurt them because they just lost that that sort of uh, je ne sais quoi, very difficult guy to, to scheme against in space. And, you know, the thing that's it, – it, what's tough is that coming away from that Utah game, we saw USC play well in the red zone against the run. We saw USC play well against Notre Dame the whole game, right? It's just that Utah game, man. They 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 did not play well uh, defensively up front. They looked like a team that just was was getting pushed around, you know, on both lines, but really with the defensive line as well. And so, yeah, you gotta you gotta find a way to to be able to correct that. And I think you just gotta be a little more physical front with bigger players. Ryan asked, "Did Chris agree to get a tattoo if chat revenue goes over a thousand dollars?" Don't even. Don't even put it out there into the world. It's up, somebody, on the, it's up on the board right somebody now. Somebody would Oh, Moneybags would – Moneybags Manfred would absolutely drop – Don't drop do it. it. Uh, someone also pointed out that uh, YouTube takes 30% cut from the Super Chats. Probably. So brutal if that's – but we're over $700. I have a bunch of questions, Gerard, that we're just going to run through real quick. Okay. Uh, Personally or like from other people? Oh, from other people. Not, not from me. Uh, Oscar – one of our big donors uh, for the night, so I have to throw him up there. Yeah, Oscar didn't get a didn't get a nickname. Big O. Big O. <laughs> the OB. Oscar Batista. OB. Oh, OB. Stands for something uh, else. Okay. Reggie has been making a lot of noise as of late towards the NCAA. Do you think the Heisman issue will ever get resolved? <sighs> yes. Yeah? I think so. I think so. You think they're going to capitulate <laughs> and give in? You got a new president coming in. A lot of things going on. I think it it'll be a lot of it would bring a lot of goodwill. Like one of it's just like it feels like an easy thing to do. The only thing is, I think Reggie's got to chill a little bit. I I think when you 
call people out like that, it tends to work against you. You know, the 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 system doesn't like to be called out, and they kind of take it personally. And it's sometimes better to just sort of um, not try to antagonize so much. I've seen some of the tweets, and I'm just like, yeah, be patient. Don't poke man. the bear as much. Yeah, be patient. And you know, don't you know uh, that that? But he's frustrated. I understand. You know, yeah. We just had the Heisman ceremony. USC won. Caleb Williams. You know, everyone's talking about it. People are not mentioning the eighth. People are saying the eighth. It's this whole like thing that's talked about but not really talked about. I understand why he's like pushing it now, just because you know USC is relevant in the Heisman sense. Yeah, I think that. Yeah, he's trying to take advantage. Strike of while the iron's hot, right a, now. It's that's like, a great way of putting it. I. But again, I. I just from. Just looking at how things go these days, you know, just got to be kind of, I don't know how to put it, but I think, um, you know, you let, you go through, you just kind of go through the proper channels of trying to put pressure on them and what have you. And somebody wants to interview and talk about it, you know, you talk about it. And, um, but I don't know if like just going in on Twitter and stuff like that, it just might give people, uh, the wrong impression or, or make it personal for them or something. I, I, I don't know. I mean that, and of course he could argue that it's always been personal. So I have one from SC Neal question prediction for st- pr- question prediction for starting offensive line for the first game of next August off the top. I would say Cortland Ford. Hmm. No, Cortland Ford, Justin Dietrich at center, Jonah Monheim at right. Ooh, I really don't know about those interior guards. Those are and then you could it could be two transfer guys. I don't know for all I know right now. There's going to be a transfer guy sure. in there. I think so. So you say transfer guy, <laughs> transfer guy at. Uh, I say two transfer guys at least will be starting at that offensive line. You think so? I mean, Gino Kenyon has got some run. Um. You know, Monheim, they moved inside, and I, I wasn't sure about that. Like, I don't know. I have to, you know, Shotgun would probably have those PFF grades, and you would know, you know, how Monheim played uh, inside is rather than outside. Kind of felt like he was playing a little better outside than inside. But, um, yeah, you're looking, <laughs> you know, Mason Murphy's there, right? Is Mason Murphy coming back, and is he playing left tackle, or is he playing right tackle? That's another guy. See, I would move Monheim outside at right tackle, and I would kick Mason Murphy in. And I know we haven't seen a lot of Mason Murphy inside, but I just – this is a little bit of kind of going back to watching him in high school and just seeing him. I kind of like him inside better. So I, I would start him inside, like at, at, at Andrew Voorhees' spot next to uh, Justin Dietrich and have Monheim at right tackle. And my left tackle could be a transfer, might not be. Cortland Ford, you know, penciled in. Uh, and then a transfer for sure uh, at the at the other left guard spot. Uh, not a question, but a $20 donation from Benny Gusta. Still love the show. Best USC show on YouTube. Can't thank you enough. Thank you, Benny. Uh, maybe the only show on YouTube. Maybe the only show. We're definitely the only recruiting podcast the on The only YouTube. live recruiting cilantro four-hour show on, pod, on YouTube. That, Absolutely. That covers USC football. Uh, Leonard, solid class today. Who is most likely to jump into the portal after today? <laughs> I don't the class. I don't know if he's referring to the class <laughs> the or class. just in general, like maybe someone at the position. You know, like I think he's. Inter- I think I'm interpreting it as USC brought in twenty nineteen guys, 
who from the current team will jump into the portal today? I think it's an offensive lineman. Yeah. At least that's my interpretation of the question. uh, I would say offensive line. Yeah. I'm I'm defensive back. I mean, you got some guys that haven't played there, and we're expecting for sure there's going to be some attrition. Um, I don't like naming names because it kind of puts guys out there like, yeah, yeah this guy isn't a team a team player anymore and he wants to leave sort of thing. It, it, you know, it, you're, you're almost alienating players when you start talking about their leaving early unless it's just an obvious thing. Right. And it's and it's or it's it's been made known or that player has said things um, that have been uh, sort of said publicly that give you the impression that. He wants to leave. So you say offensive linemen. I kind of think there's a there's a defensive back or two that are probably on their way out. And you know, offensive line, they haven't had any offensive line guys sign as transfers. They don't sign, but enroll as transfers or commit as transfers. So there hasn't been necessarily that push in to push out sort of thing. Uh, but we have seen with Christian uh, Roland Wallace, there is a, a guy that's been recruited now, and maybe some of those guys that um, are playing safety or playing receiver, or excuse me, a uh, cornerback are like, all right, you just recruiting over me, lad. Man, I, I was here. You got some, you got some juice for the war room. We're not going to talk about it uh, tonight, but you got some juice for the war room when it comes to NIL and how it's a two way street. Two way street, folks. Two way street. Get I got, guys with it. Sometimes you can lose guys with it. I got two questions from Incartum about the All American Bowl. Does USC have any high school players playing the All American Bowl? And does USC have any high school players making their decision at the All-American Bowl? USC does have a couple players. Uh, Quentin Joyner is the big one for the one in San Antonio. Uh, Zachariah Branch, Malachi Nelson, I believe Makai Lemon are all in the Under Armour one. Yes. Out in Florida, but not a stack group for the San Antonio Bowl, which is one we go to every season. As terms of making decisions? No. Payne Woodyard is making a decision, but he's a 2024, but he will be announcing at the game. But no, nobody from the 2023 class. Well, technically, Tyler Scott is. Okay, I didn't realize. I didn't know if he was uh, Under Armour or. I think he's Armour. I'm pretty sure he's uh, San Antonio. Okay, well, three-star cornerback out of Georgia will sign today, but is not revealing until January 7th. So technically, USC is in there, but we do not believe USC is. Right now, it sounds like Auburn to us, but um, that's just, uh, yeah, sort of the the chatter behind the scenes. I, I don't know that um, it's a done deal. Actually, technically, it's probably going to be a done deal because he think he did say he was going to sign today but keep it secret until January 7th. So that will leak for sure. <laughs> it always leaks. Yeah. It always leaks. Uh, who is the most – who is the must-get recruit left on the board? The musket recruit, like a musket. musket. Uh, Deuce Robinson. Um, I guess out of the guys we talked about that were left, I'm not counting transfer portal. I'm just doing high yeah, school. Yeah, transfer portal is a whole nother yeah. beast. Um, is it Deuce Robinson? Is he a musket for an offense that is pro- prolific this season and very? Very limited in its utilization of the tight end position. Do you really – can you really say he's a must-get? I don't know if any of these guys are must-gets. Must-gets? Um, I don't know if any of them are must-gets. I, I, I could see the argument for Deuce Robinson in that, hey, listen, USC didn't have great production out of the tight end position. They need a guy who's a great receiver as a tight end. Um, 
if they had Deuce Robinson, they would get him the ball 30, 40 times in a season. Uh, but then they could see, you know, Roderick Pleasant. Hey, man, you lost uh, Makai Blackman. Roderick Pleasant's one of the best cornerbacks in the nation. Uh, but again, you've got Damani Jackson sitting there to bring in Christian Roland Wallace, who, I, again, I think is a tweener more than, than he is just like a pure corner, like Makai Blackman was. Um, you've got some young dudes here. So I, I really, truthfully, there's not a must get here. Now, maybe somebody that hasn't signed and we kind of have to look at that, like, you know, just through all the white water of, of signing day, like who actually hasn't signed. Uh, I'm interested to see, I haven't seen any statistics yet in terms of the percentage of guys that signed. Usually it's up there like 89% of the available players, uh, signed on the early signing day, but maybe there's an offensive tackle out there. Maybe there's somebody, that is a defensive tackle that hasn't signed yet, you know. And and nowadays, see, here's another sort of evolution of recruiting here. And it's been brought up on the Peristyle before. Official visits and unofficial visits. We always looked at, well, this guy's taking his five official visits. So his recruiting process is down to these three schools or what have you. Now that these, you know, these collectives and everybody, they can, they can pretty much pay for guys all expense paid visits even though it's not the school actually paying for a visit, an official visit to come out and see the school and stay in the city. So you could have a guy that has five official visits already done. And, you know, he, he, maybe USC gives him a call January. He's, he's an offensive lineman. Say, hey, man, you know, we got a spot open. We want to recruit you. Why don't you come out here? And, and Boulevard sets up whatever, some type of endorsement. I don't know how it works. I just know what's going on in a lot of other schools. Guy comes in unofficially. I mean, I, I think Oregon had like, a couple guys that showed up that ended up signing in their class. That quarterback from Baylor uh, was 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 there on an unofficial visit last minute, you know. So that that's that's changed the game as well. You're going to see a lot more unofficial visits to schools and, and, and a lot of guys that um, are not even on official visits visiting schools. And so maybe somebody shows up that's at a need position, you know, on the lines that uh, is a guy that's like a must get. But I mean, truthfully terms of need and that's what i equate must get with i don't i don't see like a must get so the answer is none none i see guys that you want to get you know you want to get some good players on your team and and certainly you want to get better defensively i mean nicholas harbour would be interesting um i just i've i've talked about him in the past he's a five-star athlete yet i don't know that he can play offense uh, he's not a natural receiver. Um, he's got an incredible athlete, obviously. Um, is he a guy you just light up a defense as an edge rusher and say, hey, man, go get the quarterback because he's fast? You know, maybe. But I don't think, you know, I get the vibe that he, he's another guy like Mateo. I don't, I don't get the vibe that, that that's his heart. That's where he wants to play. I think he kind of sort of wants to play offense, wants to be a skill player. But you got to be a good football player and you got to have some ability catching the ball. And it's hard to teach that if you don't have it. To play offense, it's different than defense. You know, defense you can be a little more of a just a hey, I'm a great athlete. I'm just going to go out there and when that ball snap, I'm going to go get the quarterback sort of thing. So, um, yeah, again, long story short, <laughs> nobody, nobody is a must get. Uh, we hit the four hour mark. Boom. Hashtag four hour crew. I already started to put him in there, but <laughs> if you've been here the whole time, thank you so much for this historic composite two star. Just got a couple more questions left, Gerard, before I send you. Back to the IE, we end the stream sadly. Uh, the following offensive lineman who might actually contribute next year and possibly part of the rotation: Andres DeWork, Cooper Lovelace. I would say Cooper Lovelace. Cooper Lovelace. Yeah. Uh, oh, there's more. 
this Stephen, Caden Stefan, Jason Rodriguez, or Andrew Milik. I would say Lovelace, then Milik are the yeah. top two out of that group. That's the top. That's the two that we've seen involved in the, like the second team rotation at least to some extent. And uh, Lovelace was a pretty high ranked JUCO guy. Uh, people kind of forget he was a last minute get for USC. Um, did they get him in February or was it after February? It, it Who? was Cooper Lovelace. Uh, February. Was he? Was he a February? Was? He was like in an odd time. He just sort of popped up. I, th- I thought it was February. Yeah. I thought it was after signing day. That's what oh, I felt like. It? He actually. I don't know. I don't remember. He, he's probably up in his profile somewhere, but I don't have it in front of me. But uh, yeah, yeah, those two guys uh, for sure. And, and Melik has actually been used a, li- a bit as a center, so yeah. that's something kind of interesting. It's like that was. Different. Um, Quinones had, had played some center or what have you, but seems like they're kind of going away from Quinones as a center and more as a guard. And uh, Melik was getting uh, the 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 center reps. Was Cooper Lovelace getting any center reps? Yeah, he yeah? was taking some learning the center yeah. uh, position, and he's big, man. I saw him leaving the the Pac-12 championship. Big dude, legit six five. Looked like he put on. Some more weight, so I'm excited to see what he can do next season. I'm telling you, man, they got some role graders. That means you look at, I mean, Alani Noah, Emos uh, Talalele. You talk about 320, 330 pound guys, and then when you look at DeAndre Carter and some of these guys in the 2024 class, like there's a lot of just big dudes that are just you want a mic block. <laughs> I don't know about all this pulling with some of these guys and and how mobile they are, but you just want to lean on people with some of these dudes. Ito. I think that says Ito. Could be Ito. Ito. Judge Ito. Is Pleasant, the same, is, is Pleasant the same size as Max Williams? We know he's faster than Max. But Max mm. had some trouble this season guarding bigger receivers. Yeah, but, but, can but, face those same but, issues. but, 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 but Max Williams is playing safety also. So he's not only playing bigger receivers, he's playing his tight ends. Yeah. <laughs> That's, again, Eric Gentry. Put him out there. Mm, not the same problem. I do. Uh, you like I, that? I'm all in on that this. little I, wrinkle, huh? I, I'm I'm in pushing them out there to like a maybe more of a Sam linebacker spot, basically. But it'd be a little different in terms of alignment and how you would use it uh, formation wise. Maybe that that would be the change. But yeah, I mean, I think that that would be interesting to uh, be able to kind of use him. I, I don't think Mike linebacker is his future. Uh, Kenneth Barry. If USC's defense doesn't play well against Tulane, does Grinch get fired and Jim Leonard get brought in? He does. He develops all Americans. I would say no. No, I would say no. It would have to be like they gave up 190 points in the first quarter. It have to be in the first quarter. It would have to be. It would have to be, it would have to be abysmal. It would have to be the worst defensive performance in the history. If of you've ever read a game official game thread of any game that USC's played <laughs> in the first quarter, it seems like they've given up any college points. program. Down seven nothing. Alabama's yeah. down seven nothing. And then you go fire everyone. <laughs> Thread. It's over. <laughs> That's funny. It's done. It's done. Last Message boards are so bipolar that way, you know. I think our last question. Did you ever address Marvin Harrison possibly entering <laughs> the portal? Hey, wait, wait, wait. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. Unsubstantiated rumors. Hey, we didn't have that segment. <laughs> we didn't have that. That no, was the most popular another segment. Hour. It was the most popular segment. We can't do it. Is there any even any unsubstantiated rumors? To be out there right now, uh, yeah, not, I, not. Oh gosh, I can't I be can't, an every week thing. It's got to be like every we had month. so much to talk about that I didn't even think about it. Oh no, he's gonna go do that. But right there's now. no, 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 no. I'm not going to. <laughs> I, I, I can't just. I'm trying to think off the top of my head. Make them up. Just make them up. No, <laughs> just make them up. Top. Of there's head. nothing that I that that has been out there floating around in the in the Twitterverse or anything like that that just like uh, interesting. 
there is some stuff, but no, nah, I'm on, I don't I don't want to even try to like think about it and and get it out succinctly. Next Maybe week. next time. Next week. Maybe yeah. next time. What if someone drops hundred dollars? Like say no, it right now. <laughs> no, no, no. We're not. <laughs> the, the 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 donations are awesome. I mean, awesome. That's, that's just that's just. I thought we would get like uh, uh, I thought we get like five bucks. I didn't think we get anything. I thought people were just here to you know do our normal thing and. Uh, we, I've been on here before and we've done live shows. I don't think we've ever gotten donations. Maybe Keely just like pocketed them all or something. That'd I don't be know. smart. That'd be smart. <laughs> uh, actually, one last question. People want to know, do you think Darlin Barlow comes back or more likely that Austin Jones leaves or comes back? Mm. I think Darwin sticks around. I hope he does. I, I like does, him, yeah. man. I think he's a, we both he like him. a dude. I think he could be a dude. Uh, Austin Jones, I think it's somewhat dependent on the Tulane game, you know? Mm-hmm. If he could have another noted name, I think he wants to leave. Yeah. I think he came to USC thinking, okay, I'm going to play here. I'm going to go just like Travis Dye. Uh, but obviously, the Utah game was just horrible for USC running the ball. Um, they gotta, they've got to have another game like they did against Notre Dame. Um, or, or, you know, like Washington State or something where he's that guy and, and they can really uh, – you know, pound the football and, and he gives himself a little more film, you know, for people to get excited about. Absolutely. And that's going to be it for the first ever live composite two star recruits. And I just want to say from the bottom of my heart, thank you so much yes. for the four hour crew, everyone that stuck around for four hours and everyone that had to leave early. I understand it's a, it's a work, work, a weeknight. And we went till 10 o'clock. Lots to talk about. But really appreciate And also really appreciate all the donations. Again, we just said it. We did not expect to get and this many donations. Over $700. Incredible. Just absolutely incredible. YouTube thanks you. Yeah, YouTube. <laughs> they also take, thank you. <laughs> going to take a, a cut of that. But uh, obviously just overwhelmed by the amount of donations that we got. And Gerard, I think we're going to have to do another one of these at some point. Sure. <laughs> he was hesitant to do this one and I had to like beg him to do it. But I, I think he sees the value in it. And just, we got, had our most, we had about 830 people watching us live. Stop gloating. Right? And it's been, look, I'm proud of this podcast and what it's become. <laughs> and we had consistently at least 500 people watching for the back half, for the final like That's pretty hours. good, man. That, that's that's, that's incredible. Good. That's over 5,000 views just on this right now and again i am sorry because i forgot to hit record to start this podcast if you made it to the end of the if you podcast, left I'm... early it's not going to be a big deal but if you <laughs> right if you got in late and you want to replay it it's going to be like uh what five star perez is in the chat there you uh, go five def- stars only five stars only and i'm going to go on record and say this right now uh i personally we're going to give i think we're in agreement that we're going to give a chunk of this donation money to five stars only Jared Perez because he does an amazing job. And he I, just says, I think we're in agreement. Like we've even talked about this at all. Yeah. Are I, we just we're just sinking in? We're just sinking <laughs> mentally. In. Yeah, I just want to put that on record for the for the podcast. JP in the house. He Thank was you, JP. JP was. Uh, I mean, yeah, but you know, he he's like, let me go to the All American Bowl. <laughs> I will hitchhike. <laughs> I don't care. I will do it. I think he's going to the Poly Bowl. Is he? I think so. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> Did he, like, 
I mean, Ryan's like all about Polybowl because it's Hawaii. Yeah. So you don't have to ask Ryan twice. You know, it's like you don't have to ask. Ryan actually, Polybowl will will have a, a good amount of USC commits in that game because I think Alani Noah, I think Tala uh, uh, Amos Talalele. Um, there's like a, a Makai uh, Crawford. Um, there's a there's quite a few guys that are not going to some of the other bowls that are actually going to go to that bowl. So um, it's not necessarily the most action packed in terms of like you know the the practices and what have you. Um, but it's still you know a good time to be able to uh, talk to recruits and and some of those guys. It'll be important that are like the Deuce Robinsons who are not going to sign until February. He's playing in that game as well. So being able to talk to them and what have you. But um, so yeah, it'll be. Uh, It'll be a good time if JP is actually going. Pozole or tamales for Xmas? Tamales, tamales for me. Tamales. tamales for me. Your favorite cilantro dish? Mm. Just put it in my 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 uh, Spanish rice. Yeah, I don't have a, a cilantro dish. I yeah. mean, it's like street tacos. You put cilantro on. Yeah. And I don't have anything that's like uh, super. Chris Collins says, "I got love for two star composite podcast. I Not got co- I got love for Coach." I don't really know how to uh, close this and the you, live. Is, I don't really you mean know. literally or yeah, figuratively. I, 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 I have it written down. Hold on, let me, <laughs> let me look at my notes real quick. How to shut this thing down? Uh, anything you want to say before we leave? Yes, I want to say Merry Christmas to my two nephews and my niece. They they're they're not watching. I hope you're not watching. What time is it? Ten thirteen. I hope you're not watching right now. But Jackson, <laughs> Jameson, and Peyton, they're all under ten. They're the reason why I do podcasts. In the garage, um, say hello to them because you know they always like to get on the YouTube and uh, and see us. They they see Ryan a lot of times and they wonder why I'm not <laughs> on the video. I say I do the podcast. You guys got to listen to the podcast sometimes. Smash that like button. Everyone's commenting that. Ryan's commenting that. I thought he went to bed. I guess not. But thank you so much for everybody. And you know, I have to end it with. Did you get leopard socks? <laughs>